Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Talk on Tuesday, episode 113. We had another heart-stopping, action-packed episode that featured Jimmy, Logan, and Matt talking about dirt bikes and motorcycle-related products. We had some great questions ranging from Yamaha ECU maps to KTM 500 brake problems, and even a question about how to get more power for a six-days bike. We had a Rooster Endo segment that featured the greatest adventure bike in the world, i.e. mine, and some bikes from people who didn't quite know the rules. Jimmy unveils his new CD boots, Logan does better with his ums, and Matt gets exposed for a lunch break nap. We couldn't do this without our sponsors, Yamaha, Scott, Climb, DDC, and Trail Tech, to whom I can't thank enough for the support. Don't forget to share this show with your friends and tune into Dirt Bike Test's YouTube channel or Facebook page every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now here's the show. Live from the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday news desk, this is where Jimmy Lewis says, I rode a Husaberg today and you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I only rode it from one garage to another, but it's still more than um, probably every single person, um, except for a few guys that don't really care about this show, right? Yeah. What do we really talk about in the show, Logan? Dirt bikes and dirt bike related products. Right. This is Logan Tyler. He's my co-host. Um, I um, hired him for the very low sum of um, indentured servitude so that he would, because uh, he didn't say, he didn't talk, and now he's starting to talk, which is... It's helping the show flow a little bit because his original job was to talk when what? When you were like taking a drink of something. Yeah, when I got busy. So um, we answer your motorcycle and motorcycle product related questions. I do it mm, nine out of ten times without referring to a reference manual. And the information is as good as it is for what you're paying for it. And you're not paying much. But we do have some sponsors. That's why we're able to be here. Um, I would like to thank Yamaha, Scott Sports, Climb, DDC Sprockets, Trail Tech, and Taco Moto. They're, Taco Moto's almost on board. Yeah. It's close. Um, so, big thanks to Yamaha. Should we talk about what? Two strokes or four strokes? Which one do you want? Uh, four strokes. I know that one a little bit better. You know that one a little better? Yeah. And practicing? Yeah. Really? What, what does it say? For motocross riders driven to dominate, the YZ lineup of four-stroke bikes. What would you want to do on a YZ four-stroke? Uh, the only YZ four-stroke I have is a motocross version, so that, that's ride the, on yeah, motocross. Right, for motocross bikes. But what would you want to do on it? Because I know you stumbled. Like you were, you were going, you had it good, and they're built for what? Keep doing the read. Built for, it starts with a V. Victory circle. Right, that's good. Close, there's no circle, but built for victory. Oh. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today to get... Explore. Explore what's new for 2022. The YZ450F and YZ250F bring the performance and power with powerful four-stroke engines, reduced unsprung weight, and new suspension settings. For the look of a full factory ride, both the YZ450F and YZ250F come in exclusive Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Edition graphic package. And you can take precision tunability to the next level with the Yamaha exclusive and industries only free power tuner app. Visit the YamahaMotorsports.com today. Find your Yamaha YZ and enter Victory Zone. Okay, with that, we're going to jump right into a question. Mm-hmm. Kevin Harris has a question. You want to you want to read that one off for me? I want to ask Jimmy if he has any good Yamaha maps. I have Yamaha maps. 
I have good Yamaha maps. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Uh, I have all the Pre- Travis Preston maps, Junk. Yamaha maps. Junk. And Kiefer maps. Junk. Did Jimmy come up with any himself? Way better ones. You know this. I make good maps. Yeah. You, you made some good maps too, didn't you? I didn't build any. You just you just used what? Preston maps? Your maps. My maps. Yeah. They're pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Now, hey, <laughs> so uh, um, rolling right into the Yamaha questions, you know, since they're a good sponsor. Uh, the Power Tuner app is probably the best thing about the those bikes i mean it's the it's like getting like 50 50 cams and 20 pipes and um and then you know ultimate jetting tool because you never have to get your fingers dirty or gassy and so kevin goes does jimmy have any maps and i I would turn around and ask him if he were here and i I, you know he's a cop so i gotta be kind of careful you know you know it's small town not very many cops i gotta be careful i don't want to get in trouble around here um I want to know what he wants. Like, what do you, what do you want? And like, what did you like or not like about the Travis Preston maps? And, and, and I've ridden all of those, most of them. So I would be able to listen to what he said. Um, and then, and then what did you or not like or not like about the Kiefer maps? Um, and it's, it's, and I think he had, does he have an FX or does he have an R? Is he on a YZ? Uh, is he on a YZ or is he on an FX? He's on a YZ. I don't it's, think he's on it's FX. It's on a YZ because I remember he had. I think he does a lot of moto. He just does moto these he's days. He's just moto. Because, you know, he probably thinks I hate him because I let him ride one of our test bikes once. Mm-hmm. And because uh, he had he had an FX and I had a WR. And I put the competition kit on it. So we were able to kind of tune it a little bit. And he was riding our WR and he, he rode right into a tree that had a nice punji stick that went right through the oh, radiator. Kevin, yeah. 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 So, so uh, he, Kevin had an FX. Yeah. He's, he's now, now he's, he's now on a YZ. Yeah. So I would ask him, like, what, what does he, what is he looking for? I mean, what was wrong with the stock one, the stock map, or, you know, and then, and just to, just to find out, because I have maps, I have a lot of different maps. And then usually when I, when somebody asks me for maps, I send them one. And a lot of times I say, if, you know, because they'll tell me if they want more aggressive or less aggressive, because I got maps on both sides of the spectrum. And then from there, I say, hey, try this and tell me what you think. And it's real easy to kind of to tune that. And then I'm not going to fine tune it. I can just roughly tune it because um, it's not that hard to do. So. You shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't always be using everybody else's maps. It's like a, it's you. That that's the cool thing about that tools. It's personalized. I know everybody just wants to plug something in, just plug it in. Um, but tell me, you know, kind of give me an idea. Like, because right now you just said maps, and like maybe the map that I like is super mellow and way not aggressive, and it makes your bike feel like slow. And maybe that's not what he wants. So, like, yeah, I've got maps. Right, right. <laughs> so that's the answer to the question. But the the way to think about it, if you if you're tuning on a, on a Yamaha, or actually any any time you're able to tune with fuel injection and tune with ignition, if you're able to tune those two different things, the way you want to think about it, um, we've explained this kind of on some articles on dirt bike tests, and I do this all the time. When you add fuel or subtract fuel, in other words, make it richer or leaner. It's not like the carbureted days. There's not, it doesn't have the same feel. So when you, when you take fuel away, 
it will make the tire spin up easier. It's like taking traction away is the feeling you get. And then if you add fuel, you're getting, you'll give yourself more traction. And, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing. Like if you're just going like very small steps, you're not going to feel it. But if you do a drastic step in either direction, and most of the tuners will not allow you to screw the bike up. You can go as lean as you want with their tuner app. And it's, it's not going to, um, you know, your bike's not, shouldn't blow up, but you will feel it all of a sudden feel like it wants to lose traction, like spin up quicker. Same thing. You add fuel, it'll get rich enough to where it gives you more and more traction. You know what we need to do? We need to get a uh, uh, foam right little here. divider. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those. Yeah. I can hear it. With the yeah, keys. Yeah. Well, I'm just, you know, making sure the show is, is Keep, keeps is going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Apparently there's an audio syncing issue with your camera. Um, I'm wondering if it has something to do with the fact that when I went to adjust it, it was trying to update. Oh, I wonder if that has something to do with it. Could be. That's okay. It's just, it's, this is a podcast. It's, if you're, if you're really interested in syncing my George, George, if you're really interested in looking at my lips, um, but back to the tuning, uh, the, so, so fuel is traction. Ignition is throttle response. And so when you, when you plus ignition, which generally means advance the ignition, you're going to get snappier or more throttle response. When you minus or retard the ignition, can we say retard anymore? You can in this con connotation. Yeah. Okay. Just you're checking. Um, so, so when you, um, what if we call it challenger ignition? You can do that too. Or if, if you, <laughs> anyway, I mean, so it's your show. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> if you, uh, hey, I won't, I won't go there. Cause I can't really, I get in trouble. I think you're starting to get some dangerous territory here. Right. Okay. So if you're retard, dirt bikes and more ignition, right. That's all it is. It's just dirt bike stuff. So if you retard the ignition, if you take ignition away, which is minus the ignition, it den generally deadens, the throttle so you hear guys a lot of times they they want to put on a less aggressive um throttle cam you know like the 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 pull of the throttle the throttle tube and they want to put a less less aggressive one it's the same thing that's like that's retarding the ignition does has a similar feel and so when you use that the fueling and the ignition to customize the the bike in the rpm range you want you know, and generally they give you a grid and it's kind of split up evenly, but the Yamaha tuning app actually allows you to adjust the ranges. So you can actually, there's one area you really want to fix. You can make really small increments and, and get very detailed, detailed in it. You only have 12 boxes. The old ones, you had nine, but it does make a significant difference. It's really, um, it's really cool. So that's how you would tune. That's how you would tune your bike if you wanted to do different things. And Another thing I would suggest is if you have the ability to hook a tachometer up to your bike and and see what RPM you're riding in. And then you can also another thing that you can do is you can paint a line on your on your throttle grip or put a piece of a small piece of tape on your grip that you know like like a red piece of tape so when it's closed it's a zero and when it's open it's at 100%. And and when you're riding, if you can pay attention to those things, because I promise you that you will find out that you're at a lot lower throttle percentage than you really think you are, and you're at a lot lower RPM than you really think that you are most of the time for most riders. So that's 
how to do fuel injection in a can. So if you have any questions about that, put it in the chat and I will um, answer it. Or if you're watching this on the YouTube, um, write a comment and I can go into deeper detail in a next episode. Or if you're listening to a podcast, then you attach the note to a carrier pigeon and say, fly to Pahrump, Nevada, the Valley of the Dirt People. And uh, he'll come to my house and drop the note off and we'll uh, get you answered. What, what if your cat sees the pigeon, though? <laughs> forgot about that yeah, yeah maybe that's why i haven't been getting too many carrier pigeon messages lately no and then think about that selma the attack cat yeah <laughs> didn't do much for the ratings though the cat on the show no no well it's because you know the cat just kind of flashed uh her tail oh she uh, does yeah the camera, so yeah, I, 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 do, I do some uh some people like to see the pussy thing. you know so oh. uh next oh, uh, let's let's start with the first question mitch ogb how often do you change your brake and clutch fluids? Rear brake every 15 hours slash race. Or riding. Yeah. Clutch every 20 hours or every race. Mm. Um, I tend to replace uh, that on my, on my 50 motorcycles. Uh, I replace it when it needs it, <laughs> which is like um, more often than not, uh, never. I don't do it a whole lot um, because I haven't needed, you know, haven't needed to, but I, I will not, I will kid you not that my, you know, 2003 and 2004 KTMs um, have started needing the fluid change just because it was getting, it was getting bad. And it, these are rental bikes, so they get overheated and stuff. But I, I would probably say you should do it. And in reality, I do do it a little bit more. I would do it. It depends on how humid. I think the biggest factor is how humid your environment is. We're in a very dry environment. So those fluids don't get contaminated with a lot of the moisture that's in the air. Cause we don't have much moisture in the air. And I know for sure brake fluid hates water and water likes to boil and brakes get hot. And, and then, and that causes a lot of problems. Uh, the clutch fluid, same thing. You can heat it up and, and get it, get it hot but it tends to be and it depends on whether it's a dot like a brake fluid or it's a mineral oil how they how they respond and how they act which the mineral oil is sometimes used in the clutch systems but never in the brakes brakes always have brake fluid so um i you know on my hondas so what what year is that crf 230 that we have it's 2003 or four i think three never changed the fluid mm -hmm. i never did it and it it's never the brakes still were. Oh, that has a drum brake in the rear, though. That one does. But the front, I've never changed. Um, the Yamahas, the TTRs, I think I've done it once on those bikes, maybe. Just they were there and I was doing this. So I just ran some fluid through it. And I just usually, you know, keep a open the reservoir cap up, keep a bottle handy and then and then just kind of pressure, you know, put pressure on it, bleed it out, close it, put more in, you know, just let it run down and just till clear stuff starts, clear fluid starts coming out. But, you know, a lot of times the, the, the brake is not, I mean, the, the, the new fluid will carry some of the debris out and stuff like that. My experience is it kind of sticks in the line and it sticks inside the pistons and it's really hard to, to kind of clean it out just by doing a fluid flush, but having newer fluid in tends to help. So that's what I do. I do not keep, um, if I were racing, whole different story. 
you know, then I would be a lot more picky about it because racing, I know that the, a lot of people drag their brakes and then the fluid gets cooked and then it's bad and it draws air in when this happens. And so I would, especially the rear brake, I'd be a lot more um, picky about it. And same thing, you know, if I, if, if, if I have ever had any fear of a failure because of this, I would be changing it or paying attention to it very closely. Uh, clutch fluid, um, same thing. You know, if, if you had problems with it, I've frankly on my KTMs, I don't have problems with these. Um, every once in a while we've had a test bike that had something go you know wrong with it uh, or you know something hit like the the, the slave cylinder or whatever um, I can tell you that um, tequila uh, will work as a substitute brake fluid don't ask me how I know next question Ke oh Michael Payton Payton storing carb equipped bikes dry carb or wet carb wet carb Yep. Wet carb. Um, the reason is, uh, man, I mean, this, now I've been doing this now for out here, 10, 11 years. I have bikes that sit for five or six months in shipping containers that are 140 degrees inside. And anytime that, uh, we, if, if a tank goes dry, and then, and then it, because it stuff's evaporating at that temperature. Um, if tanks go dry, um, then the carb goes dry and everything dries out. The gaskets dry out. Bad things start to happen. And generally, the last thing that's left inside of that bowl is the water. So after the ethanol goes away, then the water settles and the gas goes away. And then there's water and then the water it, algae grows is what I've been told. It's like some sort of an algae or something that, that corrosion sort of thing that, that goes on to anything that's brass. So you have rotten rubber and green goopy crap in all of your jets. And then what you can't see is all the stuff that's in the little teeny tiny channels inside of the carburetor. That means you need an ultrasonic cleaner, usually a mid body gasket set if it's a four stroke and, uh, yeah, those those things. So I tend to tend to leave it wet is uh, the way that uh, I've done it. And the best thing you can do is start the bike, start the bikes like once a month. And that will alleviate 90% of the problems, you'd say, Logan? Probably. Because you get to start them. Yeah. Except you can't, you can only start about like three quarters of them. This time I did better. Okay. So you've learned how to scare the bikes like I do. Yeah. So you, you think that I walk up and I scare the inanimate object. Well, you said it yourself one episode and. Oh, that I scare the bikes into starting. They'd yeah. rather start than take the wrath. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris agrees with you, by the way. Chris who? Real. Oh, with all that stuff? Really? Yeah. He said, uh, oh, that's a, that's a seal. Of, answer. That's a, not your friend. Yeah. That's a seal of approval. Also, wait, can you be quiet for a second? Test, test. Okay, you're good. Okay, I had to check my mail. Yeah, you want to make sure everybody can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna have your own camera too, right? Eventually, hey, <laughs> I was I was shopping for cameras because you know here at Tech Talk Taco <laughs> Tuesday we're always looking to improve. Right. So yeah, yeah, we're we're. On. Hey, if you if you really want to see how much we've improved, you should go to episode one. I dare you. I dare you to go watch episode one. And you'll learn a little bit because I tell you why I started doing this. 
And um, I probably say um just as much. So I guess we're almost the same. Next question. San Felipe Bob. Um, pull-ups. San, San Felipe Bob. Is this another car pro- program? No. Okay. Do you oh. have any tips for cleaning goggles after a dusty or muddy ride? Like, um, um, how do you get <laughs> the foam clean factory fresh? Cheers. The reason I asked if it's a carb question is Bob put a picture of his beta carb on the internet the other day. And at first I thought, like, why is it? You know, it, he had the green main jet and I'm like, oh, this can't be his beta. And I'm like, it's a two stroke. It's like you should have oil in the gas. And then I'm like, ding, oil injected. So now I found the first thing that I don't like about oil injected bikes. There's no oil in your gas. And so if you let your bike sit for a few months, you get four stroke carburetor problems. So, um, Bob, next time you let that thing sit, uh, run a little premix through there. Maybe, you know, 60 to one, just, uh, the last little, you know, maybe, run it low last gallon of gas put a little premix in there and then and then before you go you know run it so it's in the carb i think that little coating of oil will work wonders down there because it seems to have on every mixing two-stroke that i've used and um yeah then um then you're you should be good what are four-stroke carburetor problems four-stroke carburetor problems Mm -hmm. there's no oil in the gas and so when the gas evaporates off, uh, there's that, that little coating of oil uh, really helps the, the brass parts and the aluminum parts and the magnesium parts in there. Uh, it makes it harder for the, the, the metal to corrode, essentially. It coats it. You know, it's like putting a, a, like a penetrant oil on. That's what the, the two-stroke oil actually acts like that. It just It lubricates it mm-hmm. and it sticks to it. And then stuff, other stuff, bad stuff uh, doesn't. So that's why four strokes. That's remember how we used to put um, the two stroke gas in all of our rental bikes. The last class. Do you remember this? No. So in the last class of the season, in all the rental bikes, we used to run like you know hundred to one premixed gas in all of our four stroke rental bikes that had carburetors on them, and it would in going from doing nothing to that was very significant how much carburetor work we had to do come this time of year. Mm-hmm. You know, how many carbs have you seen open lately? None. None. Yeah. So that will open uh, yours. Exactly. Yeah. Your bike. Uh, <laughs> but we also started using some of that, um, the Tektron power sports, which what's funny. I used to see that at the, at the Walmarts and stuff like that. I'm not seeing it anymore. So oh, really maybe it, um, Maybe. Maybe you should chop through the uh, Amazon banner. Right. Uh, hey, and if you are buying stuff, Matt just reminded me, uh, go to Dirt Bike Test and click through our link to uh, Rocky Mountain MCATV. Uh, we get a small portion of that. We have a um, an affiliate program with them. They've been kind enough to do that for us, and I know everybody's out there ordering parts. I did it last week. I made my parts order. I made two. You made two parts orders. I actually think most of the commission is all DBT guys. Oh, because we're, yeah, we know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. We started doing that. So, um, yeah, uh, order up through that, and uh, we'll get a little slice of that. So what is, uh, oh, goggles. Yep. So what I do is I have a, I have just like a, a deep sink wash bin. 
a little dish soap, like um, a good oil uh, cutting, you know, grease cutting dish soap. Very, not a lot, but just a little bit. And I just take the whole stinking goggle in there and I just, I just smash it in the, you know, smash the foam to just cycle some water through it. Then uh, I drain it and I fill it up with just pure water and I do the same thing again. And so that, so that, so it cleans it out and then I drain it out again and put water in one more time and I do it again because I don't want any of that oil in there and I don't want any of the, um, I don't want any of the soap to be sitting on my face uh, afterwards because I've, I've actually had some soap um, that was uh, not so friendly. So that worked. And I don't really, when I clean the, the goggle band, for instance, I don't agitate. I don't, I don't like stretch it. I just kind of like wipe it because I, I don't know why. I just think that that's easier on it. The soap doesn't get in there because that, that's a little more dense. Um, I should probably call up Knowles and ask him the John Knowles and find out what the he's a factory goggle guy. He does goggles for the factory racers. Mm. So he probably knows this. He probably takes them out of the box and just builds them up and then they go away because you see those guys are just tossing their goggles out to the crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, but he might know some secrets. Uh, and then and then I'll, I'll run water backwards through the through the foam. So from the inside of the lens out through the foam that's around the, the frame of the goggle to, to push all that stuff out. If it's muddy, um, then I will take the goggle apart, the lens out of the goggle underwater, and then sh- agitate it, shake it around so all the dirt falls out, and then let everything dry and put it back together. That's my technique. Foam clean and factory fresh. That's clean and factory fresh. It's never going to be factory fresh. It's like a new car. It only smells good for so long, especially with my sweat. So, next. Bill Hall, I noticed on your Tour of Idaho bike, you have a Mega Bomb on that machine. Did you put it on because you wanted it, or just did put it on because FMF gave it to you? If you put it on because you wanted it, can you tell me the advantages of making such a mod? Or did FMF want to show themselves as a sponsor at the end of your very nice video? Also, is removing a toe mandatory personal mod slash fitness training for attempting the Idaho ride? If so, tell me where you get that done. Shark. I used a shark while I was surfing. Yeah. Um, for the toe mod. Um, so, uh, Bill, Bill, I, I, I emailed Bill back and, uh, the FMF mega bomb. I've been a big fan of it. Um, actually helped some of the early development on it. I remember when they were talking about doing this. Um, we were actually, it was funny because we were actually out trying some crazy stuff with a two-stroke pipe to see if it worked. Um, and the, there was a, it, was, it was right at the time that sound was becoming, four-strokes were getting popular and sound was becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And th- that, that technology, and I don't know the exact name of the 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 patents that are around that or what that is called but it's been around forever and it's it's a lot more than just um essentially and everybody thinks that that that's there's an open chamber inside there and the pipe just goes through that's that's kind of encapsulated around the outside of it and there's some very strategically built drilled holes inside of a mega bomb it's not a it's not like an expansion chamber like a two-stroke 
And and because originally it was the power bomb, and the power bomb was not it didn't have the shape to it. And evidently the shape helped. And I I know it helped because I, I did some early testing on it. And it was it actually made a big improvement. There was a there was there was a step that the that the power bomb made, and it was a bigger step that the mega bomb rent made. And I really, really like what it does. It, it improved throttle response, especially on the old carbureted bikes. It really helped um, throttle response and, and the way that the bike came back on after you deceled and when you, you know, kind of rolled back onto it or even snapped back onto it, uh, it, it could it could actually kind of, it, it seemed like it gave you a little bit of range in your jetting. Your jetting didn't have to be so specific. The, the secondary benefit well, actually, the primary, I don't know which the primary benefit was. It was noise reduction. Mm-hmm. It really reduced it by one or two decibels on almost every type of sound test. It tended to reduce the sound. But the so the, the other thing was the throttle response. And that's what I liked about it. I liked the quieter bike. I always liked the quieter bike. And I liked the, the throttle response benefit. Did it give it more power? I couldn't tell. You know, I mean, I never could tell the power. It was just throttle response. So I ran it by choice. Yes, I ran it by choice. Yes, FMF did give me that particular one. Um, would I buy one for my bikes? Yes. Uh, there's, there's, they're, they're on back order right now because I want one. I want one or two for a couple of my different bikes right now, especially on the KTM 350. It makes a, a, a very noticeable improvement in an area where the bike could, you know, it, a smaller bike can always use more torque and torque and throttle response and that's what it feels like it gives the bike so like i said doesn't feel like it gives more power maybe it feels like it gives a little more torque and for training for tour of idaho with i wouldn't worry about cutting my toe off i would just come to my riding school that's uh, jimmy lewis offroad.com where i can teach you how to be a better rider the best modification you can buy so it costs about the same as a mega bomb but i think the school a full system. You get a full system for the same price as the school. Actually, I think school might be cheaper. And the the good thing is it fits. You, you do the modification to you, it fits on every bike. You don't have to switch it and you don't have to worry about bolting it on. It just tops right on to every bike. Yep. Come to my school. Schools, uh, classes, we announced classes. They're on the... Um, they're on the websites, the internets. Yep www.jimmylewisoffroad.com go there or click the link i just put in the chat oh yeah click the link in the chat podcast then jimmylewisoffroad.com no send your carrier pigeon just get your carrier pigeon send them out here Mm -hmm. just have them have them chirp i want to go to jimmy lewis class right Mm -hmm. my both and my cat won't kill it i might set up morse code instead just right i think it's more reliable got it i hate pigeons (laughs) flying rats can't Camp T L C G T at AOL.com. Don't give up on me. I am the guy in CT. Connecticut. I, I have been bird dogging all kind of 230, Honda 230 CRF and or Yamaha TTR 230 on Facebook. They either have no title, likely stolen, or go like in an instant. A mechanic I know has a 1998. While he's reading this epic, I'm going to need some tequila, Matt. Uh, silver Honda's bottle. Honda's XR200. It looks okay, but I have no f- 
further inspect. I have to further inspect. He wants thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, thirteen hundred bucks for an XR two hundred. For it, what do you think? How much would you pay for an XR two hundred? You know what that is? It's a bike yeah. that's twice as old as you. Mm-hmm. I had one. Yeah. I How much? It's... What's it worth? Oh, I don't know. If it was if it was cherry, what would it be worth? Like showroom. I don't know. I like it more than my current pit bike now for certain situations. And you liked it because you had to kickstart it. That is on a little pit bike. It's not that big of a on an XR two hundred. Mm-hmm. It's not a little pit bike. They're big turds. S- still used it as a pit bike. Yeah, and you had to kickstart it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had one. I had one that had four that had four valves and two carburetors. Oh. You know what that thing was? Expensive. <laughs> Hard to work on. Yeah, it was. It was. It was almost like a Husaberg with no power. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's how bad it was. Was that an Alberta bike? Uh, no, I, although that's probably that bike really helped my racing trajectory because I learned how to ride a, a small, slow four-stroke. You had to rev to the moon um, quite well. And then when Al got me on a XR250, which was like, whoa, XR250, they went back to a single carb and. You know, he made it a 280. I could ride the, the, the wheels off the thing and go really fast. But um, I used to like to burn holes in the top of my XR200 piston and, you know, <laughs> going wide open down sand washes. But uh, so anyways, I, I think $800 max. Yeah, that one right there looks great. It looks the super tasty. $800 max for an XR200 unless it's, it's showroom and you think it has some sort of... Uh, some sort of long lasting, you know, value as a collector's item. But, um, I don't think it will. Cause I think they made like 8 million of those things. How clapped out was yours? Um, I don't know. I think it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did it have pro link suspension or two shocks? I think pro link pro link had mm-hmm. a pro link sticker on it. Yep. And, uh, did it, did the, were the forks, like was it kind of low travel or was it had a lot of travel? Because they they had they they kind of dumbed it down towards the end of its. It was mine was an eighty three. Eighty three. Oh, so that was the dumbed same. down. Ver- no, no, eighty three. Same as this one. Eighty three. Yeah, that I think. I think that was the long. Travel. So eighty. Yeah, it was eighty three. Was long travel because eighty four they went to the, the the four valve the RF the radial four valve combustion chamber, and uh, so okay yeah. Yeah, not worth unless it's, I don't know. He, he's he's all over the place. So he's emailed me three. He's sixty two year old guy. Um, he's trying to get back. He's back into riding, and he's on the right path. Thinking about, um, you know, the Honda two thirty or the TTR two fifty or two thirty or TT uh, XT. You know that type of bike to get back into it. That's a good thing. I I the first thing I jumped on and said, hey, look for something that's electric start. But he says everything he sees is being sold without a title. Now, I don't know how things work in Connecticut. <laughs> Most vehicles have a title. Um, but maybe there's some states where they dirt bikes don't carry titles. And there's different things like this. But he's very suspicious that they're um, stolen. And he, you know, should be. Because those kind of bikes, you know, they're, they're, those are the kind of bikes that people just like leave on the side of their house. 
It's just mm-hmm. kind of a toy that they leave inside of their house, and then someone goes and nabs it, and then all of a sudden it's on it's on Facebook Marketplace, and it could come from two states away. You know, they, people go on these, <laughs> you know, stealing sprees. So, just I would say, just do your research. That's a really good thing. But then I said, well, what are you, why are you you know so focused on these bikes when? Because he was kind of worried that maybe a new KTM, which he mentions in this thing, um, a new KTM is like is it over his skill level? And it's like, you know, they, they, it has, it has a lot of room to grow. What, what's the video? I should have sent him a link to the video on Jimmy Lewis off road YouTube channel. Oh, I can put it in the chat right now. You can put it in the chat. Yeah. I, I'm sure he, he's probably not on the chat, but um, maybe he is, but we talk about all the different kinds of bikes. Like, the, yeah, we explain all the different types and everything. It was, I, it was a really good video. I thought, well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate that. Well, I was filming it, so. Oh, I knew there was a reason. You you just happened to tell me where to stand and when to press the button and you know, right. editing and stuff. But I did the I did I held the camera. Right, well, and and I I guess I divulged some really good information. It's actually really for us. It's really basic stuff, but it's good info. But um, you know, you can you you can. You can get a newer bike. You can go to a dealer and buy one of those. I, I don't know what the, the you know where the where where is where is pocketbooks at and stuff and you know for used versus new and and I, the price and used stuff is so high now. Even some of the new stuff is really not that much more expensive. And if you if the used stuff is carrying that much of a price, you got to look at the other way around. You got to go, hey, if I buy this, this entry level bike, and I pay. 6000 for it instead of 4000 for the used one. It's going to cost you $2,000 when you sell it, right? So you get that bike for $2,000 because you're going to sell it, but then you're going to buy something better and that you'll have a, you'll, you'll know, A, do I like motorcycles? Am I into this? Do I want to spend more money on it? And then B, you'll have a better idea of like, okay, this, this bike fits my skill level and maybe you'll meet other people that you go ride with and then you'll get to ride with them and maybe ride some of their bikes. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of advantages to getting into it, but, um, that's that, you know, go, go look at a Yamaha XT 230 TTR two. I think they still make the TTR 250. I don't know. Who? Yamaha. Uh, I think so. They have two strokes. Mm-hmm. You know anything about them? Yeah. Experience pure performance and exhilarating power with the full lineup of Yamaha YZ two-stroke bikes. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com today to explore what's new for 2022. The re-revised YZ125 makes for the perfect step-up machine. Featuring all-new engine, revised six-speed transmission, new brakes, and new suspension settings. Improved rider ergonomics with new aggressive styling and more. The YZ250 also delivers improved rider ergonomics, new front and rear brakes, updated suspension settings, and aggressive styling. For a true, truly race-inspired look, check out the YZ250 and YZ125 Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Editions. And for the next generation of riders, the YZ65, YZ85, and YZ85LW deliver deliver big bike specs in a smaller package visit yamahamotorsports.com find your yamaha yz and enter victory zone today victory zone that's what you're trying to figure out earlier the Just, victory zone yeah <laughs> got it i'm uh i got my ad dobel uh diamante maestro tequila um i'll tell you how it is we've we had it on the show before haven't we 
I believe you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't tasted it, but uh give it a we'll give it a little review. Well it sits next to your next to your desk all day long. Yeah, you should yeah. you know, you should do a little snap right before lunch. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can do I can do it before any like any of my little breaks when I go for my little lap. Take a, yeah, uh, you know, you just, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, uh, did, they just don't let the HR people see you around here. I am the HR department. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they drinking on the job these days. Yeah. Oh, so Joe Welder, I'm 62 and have an XR 200. So Joe Welder needs to talk to the, the other, the other guy. You know, Crazy Nate. That was like, I think that was his favorite bike, XR 200s. He he used to just run them so long because he can't kickstart or anything. That literally, if you just move the kickstart, it would kind of start on its own. <laughs> no compression. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe a YZ125 <laughs> for his, for the guy. Uh, he he sent another. We have the long questions on the bot at the end of the, the at the end of the show. End. We might yeah. get to this at the very end. Yeah, yeah. What does uh, Gene Fowler Jr. want? Okay, I need help. Twenty twenty. 500 ex cf 16 no 1650 miles or so riding tonight reach down for some rear brake and nothing's there zip nothing get okay so reach down so he's pushing on the rear brake with his hand that's awkward <laughs> i don't know but anyways keep going get of to check what's up, no leaks, master okay, don't, cylinder. Don't give Logan a hard time about it. He seems, read that exactly the way it was written. Seemed full, nothing. Started for home with front working, but on fire roads, so extra careful. Sometime later, tap the rear brake and brakes are there. Got home, checked it out, still working. What the heck? Does anybody have any ideas what this is or what to do? Thanks in advance. So Gene was on um, the EXC and FE performance group. Performance and Tech Talk group. Performance and Tech Talk group. This Which question. We are still streaming to those people. Yeah, we're streaming to that group. Yeah. And um, I, I saw this post and I saw like the five or six answers that were there and it already it had already started. Oh, you need to have a banjo bolt that, you know, the cooling addition and on and um, you, the, 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 the most the most common thing, the, the quickest thing that didn't come up yet was. Is the did the rotor get bent? That's the first thing I think of. I, I'm not I'm not going to blame the rider right away, Gene. <laughs> I'm going to go. Maybe your rotor got hit and it got bent. And, and so what happens when your rotor is bent is every time it goes by the pads, it pushes, you know, it tries to spread them open. And it pushes open. So you almost have to, so, you know, depending on how fast you're going, you often have to pump the pedal a few times to get it pushed back. And sometimes depending on how, 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 how loose the, the pins are, how much it allows to slide it, how much you can get away with. There's, there's a lot of different things there that, um, come into play. So I went bent rotor and nobody said that yet, but then finally somebody said bent rotor and, the other thing, it was like, you're dragging your brake. So, okay, maybe you're just, and you think about it, especially if you're sitting down, when you sit down and most of the dirt bikes have their brake pedal 
adjusted. They come stock kind of with a brake pedal adjusted level with the foot peg. If you sit down and your foot is touching it and you don't know it, a lot of people are wearing heavy motocross boots for the first time and they're not really experienced. They sit down and they're actually dragging the brake the whole time they're riding. And the way to tell this is if your brake rotor is brown or God forbid blue, you know, darker, look at your front brake rotor. And if your rear brake rotor is a different color, that's probably what you're doing. You're probably dragging the brake and it boiled the fluid. The other thing I've seen is, and this generally requires, and he didn't say that he went and adjusted anything, but I often see that people will go and adjust their, their brake um, adjustment point so that, so that there's, it doesn't allow the piston to return all the way back down past what we'll call the refill hole inside of the master cylinder. So you're always working and the brake will work just fine until it heats up. Because what happens is when you release the brake pedal, it never opens up into a, a free flowing system because you have the oil. It's all captured between the piston and all the way back to the rear brake caliper, which has a piston and also so the piston that's pushing it and it still works. It'll still compress the pads. You know, you push in the pedal, it compresses the pads. But, but when you release the pedal, it takes the pressure back off of it. But the, but the, the pressure can't bleed into the open chair, the system where the reservoir is essentially. So as that heats up, it expands and there's no place for the pressure to go. So it starts squeezing the brake pads onto the rotor, which generates more heat. And so the reason I didn't think it was this is because generally it will lock the brake up before it boils the fluid. Like it happens so quickly that it, that it, the brake actually locks up. You, you're riding and you're like, why is my brake on? Why is my, and then literally, cause I had it happen before. And, um, cause I misadjusted the, the brake pedal or I've been with other people that have done the same thing. So, uh, the, the solution that if your brake ever just like locks up for no reason, it's completely locked up. Just let the, you know, back the adjustment out and you'll find that it all of a sudden it'll start working again. If you can't compress the caliper, like at any time, if you have no pressure on the brake pedal, you should be able to take the caliper and compress it up against the pads. And so it slides on the pins, compresses the piston and, and then you will have to pump the brake pedal or the lever because we do this. We call it back bleeding. This is a trick that I use all the time when people overheat their brakes or their they, they, brakes feel spongy. Because on most systems, when you do this, it compresses all the air out of the system and runs the air back up the line into the reservoir. And then you pump fresh fluid back down into it. So this is what I want. I wanted to talk about kind of brake systems tonight. This is one of the things I, I kind of mentioned that, right. that th- this is some really good information. Hence why we used the photo for our Facebook announcement earlier. Yeah, with brake pads on it. So, you know, knowing this, so I, I kind of went away from, okay, it was misadjusted because a couple of people said that. And I was thinking, you're just dragging the brake. And the reason it came back was because it cooled down. And so you might want to look into a couple of things. Um, the easiest would be, well, let's just say your setup is normal. It's not, you don't have your brake pedal too high um, because we often see people say, oh, this is a problem. So they adjust their brake pedal down lower. And then when they actually need to use their brakes, they go reach for it and they can't find it. Because generally when you go to use your brakes, you're standing up and, well, you should be standing up and getting back on the motorcycle. And then you can't reach the brake pedal because you adjusted it down for when you're sitting down. So remember, 
and really the rear brake is kind of for control, not for slowing down anyways. So you don't have to have that much feel and kind of, um, it's not that it's not that critical, but you need to know where it's at. So kind of, you know, the adjustment could be played with, but just kind of learn where you're putting your foot and pay attention to what you're doing with that. Then you can make some adjustments, you know, figure out how you would, you know, tune where that pedal is and for what reason. And remember, you can adjust on, on a KTM like this. You can adjust the pedal position and you can also adjust the activation up into the um, master cylinder. So it's if you adjust one, generally you have to adjust the other. And a lot of, I've seen a lot of people adjust just one, and they 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 adjust the, you know, they want it to you know be a little tighter, and they adjust it a little bit tighter, and they don't. It never opens back up, and like it goes to the back to that original problem, which I don't think it was. So, um, uh, so yeah, there's bent disc rotor, there's dragging the brake, there's improper adjustment. And then, um, other than that, and so if you did this and if your rear brake loader is a different color, then going back to our first question, right? Or one of the first ones like Mitch, uh, change your fluid, flush your fluid out. Cause if you ever get it that hot, uh, it's, it's done its job. <laughs> it's better to have some new stuff in there. Good answer, Logan. Yeah. Did you learn anything? Uh, nothing new, but I'm sure many people did. Okay, so if, if I wanted you to go out and bleed the brakes on one of my bikes right now, you got it? Yeah. Okay, good. What did you learn in school today? Um, body paragraphs. Body paragraphs. Mm. What? Yeah, what's oh, that? Paragraph. English. Okay. Oh, paragraph. Just a paragraph. So yeah. you didn't know what a paragraph was before? I did. Oh, okay. Since like third grade. And then, but you learned better? More? More. More. Okay. Hey, Jimmy, do you know, do, do you know paragraphs? Do you know body paragraphs? A little bit. A little bit? A little bit. Okay. I was an editor. I was an editor of a magazine, you know? Okay. I'm just making sure. Because so, you're grilling Logan. Someone, someone's got to make sure that you know it too. So what is a body paragraph? Well, I'm sure Logan knows. Do you? I actually do somewhere. but It's, uh, it's, it's just a paragraph, right? Yeah. Or is it a special kind of paragraph? It's a paragraph within an essay, mostly. It's just a normal paragraph. Other than the first and last one. Oh, it's a body. Okay. Now, yeah. now, now, but it's so context body. to it. Right. Yeah. So there's introduction paragraph. Mm -hmm. It's all the boring shit in the middle. Yes. And not the conclusion. Yep. Right. Essentially just kind of putting an extra name to something. Right. Yeah. Know, right. Mm -hmm. A body paragraph. It's kind of like this middle part of the show that just sucks. And you're like, get to the good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Now what's next? Dan Clark with uh, 2021. Hold on. I got one other thing. So I'm wearing a shirt tonight. Uh, I'm going to move my mic and stuff out of the way here. Mm -hmm. I'm you, hold my your camera's being weird, so it's just... Uh, okay, the main one. Main camera. Yeah, so I'm wearing a shirt tonight. If, if you know what this shirt logo is and what it means... So it's, it's a logo, and it means something. If you know what it is, you're supposed to put it in the chat... And if you get it right, well, the first person that gets it right, um, um, we're going to give them the um award. <laughs> you already won it because you, you already won the um award. Yeah. No, we're, uh, we're going to, this company uh, is going to do something very nice for you. And I'll tell you why once somebody wins it. Wait, wait, nice for you as in like nice to me or is it nice for the listeners? It's nice for everybody. Okay. But more nice for the listener. Okay. Understand. So, um, 
Logan. Uh, 2021 KTM 500. What are people doing to get more power out of them? <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. This is so, so this question came up. I was on the other side of the office and I yelled, I'm like, Matt, <laughs> ah! you, you, I'm like, no. this is what this is. I said, this is why I shouldn't be looking at the internets because before he could talk common sense into me and before I'm going to give you the answer. Do you want to know? What do you think the answer is, Logan? Um, um, yeah. Twist the throttle. There he goes. Twist the throttle. Logan said it. Not me. Oh, look at that. No, that's what I posted. I said, I said, so, so the question is, uh, <laughs> point to which one so I can read it one more time. Uh, what are people doing to get more power out of them? So I put in there, cause I mean, I'm kind of a motorcycle guy. I've got a little reputation, you know, it's a couple, couple of credibilities or something like that. I said, I prefer to twist the throttle farther, <laughs> fun, fast and effective. I think is what I put in there. That's what I did. Does that mean? Could be took. Oh, no. free. No, I said, I put fun, free and effective. Oh, it could be taken out of context. Well, if, yeah. Because like, I'm being a smart ass or just an asshole. Both? A little column yeah. A, a little column B. Okay. So the way I like to, you know, break things down, just so, you know, just a little, little bit. I don't like to talk about myself, but uh, we'll do this right now. You started a podcast. I mean, you kind of have to talk about yourself, so... So it was just so I could talk. The weird thing is like when I started this thing, I was just talking to myself by myself because nobody watched this shit. It right, was right. So now we're going to now, now we got, you know, a few people and I'm going to tell you why, what I say is so powerful because I do it. It's exactly what I do myself. I'm not just sitting here talking. Well, maybe I am just talking to, you know, feel my lips flap. I need my therapist said I needed to have two hours of lip exercises on Tuesday nights and maybe this is what I'm doing and maybe I'm just trying to really give you good advice but when I want more power on any bike that I'm riding I turn the throttle farther and 99% of the time it actually works I, I there's very few times well I have to kind of really break this down because sometimes I'm riding Hoosberg 570 and at that point there's always more power I mean it, it's very rare that you're going to actually get to the end of the throttle. And I've seen people say, yeah, I was wide open. And I get to observe some people when they're riding, cause I teach riding school and stuff. And they, they're, we have a drill where I dare people to get their bike wide open. And we actually kind of stopped doing it because too many people did what Logan? Um, started doing it. Well, no, what happened in that drill where we told them to turn the throttle till it went to the end of the throttle cable? Remember one day we had two people do it, like almost synchronized. I think you were there. They looped out. I was not there. You were into the two. We had two guys loop out KTM 525s, subframes, mufflers, rear fenders. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, there's, there's usually a lot more left. And even on your, your poor, 2021 KTM 500 six days that only has 48 horsepower. I beg you to tell me when you need more than 48 horsepower. I, I still don't know off road when you're going to have a situation where your tire can handle 48 horsepower. 
just doesn't really exist. You're not seat bouncing out of a jump with a four foot run up trying to clear a 90 foot triple. You're not doing this, especially not on a six days because you'll, you'll, you would actually do a front flip. If you did it right on that bike, like tried to clear it, you know, if you really got it and tried to clear it, that bike would do a front flip because it would bottom out because <laughs> it's in the XC and, and, and you'd, you'd be pulling on it so hard that it'd probably, it'd probably have enough energy to flip it forward. Well, you wouldn't do a complete front flip. You just land on your head on the face of the trip, the third jump. Uh, so, so when I, I kind of, you know, say these comments and stuff, cause it's actually true. It really, really does work. And if you're not on Hoosterberg 570 like me, and and you 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 do you do get to the end of the throttle. I promise you, you're not at peak horsepower. You're probably at a lot lower RPM. And if you let the RPM come up and do what it does, because most guys I see them, they turn the throttle wide open, they shift way before they need to. They, they people tend to ride their motorcycle in this very small range in the middle. They're afraid it's going to stall down low, so they never trust the torque. They never use it down here, and then they never let it rev to where it actually does work. They don't appreciate the full experience of power band, like from the bottom to the top. So, so, um, so Dan, I think that you should just go out and uh, learn to, before you do anything else. And then if you start finding shortcomings in the way the power is delivered, and here's where I, I will say there are modifications you can do to shift the, the power delivery, different parts make it respond differently and it goes back to what we were talking about with the power tuner app on the yamaha what do you want what what are you trying to get out of it and i think you can save uh save a lot of money by doing this and then when you start finding out that your bike is really stinking fast then pay attention to all the stuff we just said about the brakes <laughs> yeah 2020 ktm 300 exc does he want more no. power xcw video Yo, Joe, what happens to what happened to the drunk guy with the smiley face stickers? <laughs> now, that's a good question. As soon as I saw it, that, that was that's, actually the first one I put on the document. That's a good question. So the smiley face guy, that's George. He's in the chat room right now. Um, is he drunk? I guess we'll let him answer that. He did say something about martinis. Earlier. He said martinis. He's something about him. He's getting ready to go on the rebel rally like me. So he's uh, he's probably getting tuned up. Um, Yo Joe, I maybe Yo Joe wants to hang out with him. Maybe Yo Joe wants a sticker. Yeah, you never know. You didn't ask. Th those are those are highly sought after stickers. I hear. Not as not yeah. Oh, nothing for that. <laughs> you get you get close to George, and they tend to get stuck on you, your yeah. bike, your truck, and like sought after. Yeah, it's like I spend more time peeling those things off than anything else. Like my sticker's hard to get. Well, no, no, you, well, you're you're they're sought after because you're trying to find them to get rid of them. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Got it. Yeah, um, gl glad that video. Why did he comment that on that video? Is that I don't think that sticker's in that video. That bike. I don't think so. That bike ended up having. No, I, I gave that bike back. That I wrote ra uh, raced George's bike, but. I think I got a. I think I'm. I think I bought a, a 2019 KTM 300. I think I finally got one. Yep. Next. 2021 KTM 390 long term video. Raise KZ. Hi. One question regarding ABS and traction control. Is it possible to disable fuse without 
removing ABS sensor. Yes. But it was harder for me. It was easier to remove the one eight millimeter bolt and use a zip tie that thing out of the way as opposed to going into the fuse box and pulling fuses. And I didn't know what the, the, some, sometimes pulling the fuses confuses the computer a little bit more, but I know the sensors, they, they, they have to be designed so that they can, you know, break and you can still ride. I don't know what it does with the, with the fuse. It's kind of, I, I guess it would be kind of the same thing. It should still be able to work if the fuse blows, but, um, yeah, so I, that's, that's what I ended up doing, but I don't think, I don't think that it would cause a problem. I just, I just did it in my truck last week because <laughs> I was so pissed at the traction control of my truck. Uh, need, I, I'm going to clip one of the wheel sensors. I'm going to put a, a disable switch and a wheel sensor on that damn truck so I can, when I want when I, when I take my foot, kind of like I talk about with the throttle, when I take my foot and I push it all the way to the floor, I'm doing it for a reason. I either want the wheels to spin like hell or I need all that power. It's not a mistake. Yeah. And I, I, I'm getting pissed that they're building vehicles. And if you guys don't watch out, you're going to get motorcycles. It's coming. <laughs> now that you don't have a throttle cable, you have a wire. It's coming that you're going to get you're, you're, your KTM 500. You're going to go ahead and turn it wide open. And it's not going to give it to you because it's going to go, you're an idiot. So you be careful what you ask for. In with all your ECU mods and all this stuff, because once they go to that next level, and I know this because of the, the larger KTM adventure bikes that have fly by wire stuff. Now, the hardest thing to do is regain control of that butterfly valve through the ECU. They're doing everything they can to prevent that from happening. The manufacturers because emissions, it's, it's a long, it's a long road and you're in a, you're in a very slippery slope. So, um, careful <laughs> quit quit trying to cheat the system <laughs> just turn the throttle farther and enjoy it while it lasts 2022 yz250 review video martin sand sand sandstrom will you test the new wr250f i hope so i don't think it's that new i don't think it's i'd have to ask trevor because trevor's the omaha guy i don't know I'm sure we'll test it if it's the new one. I think did they did the WR catch up with the YZ this year? Because so so the way that and we had a question about this, somebody asked why the the FX or the WR or whatever wasn't the newest version, mm -hmm. and so it it depends on the manufacturer. Like it, Yamaha, they introduced the YZ the next year. I think the FX gets it, and the following year the YZ. Uh, the WR gets the same upgrades. They kind of they kind of trail by, you know. I think the WR is two years, and I I'd have to really go and pay attention or ask somebody to know. But I think that's what is Honda. They're doing the CR and the RX on the same year, and then KTM typically does the SX and the XC on the same year. But what they do is they release a factory edition of the SX early and by the way um keep your eyes peeled for the uh if you want to see the new ktm it will be there'll be a 20 22 and a half factory edition and we should know about this a lot about this in december 
but that's when you're going to see the new KTM engine and chassis because they need to, they'll be racing it on the KTMs and probably the Huskies, I suspect, um, in uh, Supercross. Yeah, but, don't the Rockstar editions normally come out the same time? Yeah, they, within a few weeks? It's like, yeah, they generally try to release them on kind of different times so they don't take up all the... Um, all the you know all the bandwidth of the media i mean it's like basically you know it's, it's really hard to cut and paste all that information and put it on your website right these days so um and have you heard anything about a gas gas factory edition i've not i've not heard about this okay i don't think i don't think that's on their plan right now i think i think they're they're, they're just trying to crank out motorcycles and there's so many different motorcycles coming out of that factory mm-hmm. that it's it's tough Next question. 2022 YZ, no, all-wheel drive adventure bike video. <laughs> First two words of the Hold on, let's, let's do the name. So let's the do name. the name. Templario del Apocalypsis. How'd I do? Try that again. Better than I could. <laughs> Templario del Aco. Apocalypsis. Apocalypsis. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said before, but I just I factored in the thing. What's the question? Not possible if you know anything about motorcycles. Well, I don't know anything about motorcycles, and I rode the unicorn, so it's not possible. It's a freaking all-wheel drive adventure bike using a gear drive and a small transmission. It was awesome. There, there was a reply to that comment that uh, that I almost included in that uh, little in the notes, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a little too long. But essentially, it was uh, kind of calling the that commenter out. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, it's it's, it's YouTube. What do you expect? It's all fake everything like this show in fact we're not even real logan Mm -hmm. how was prom uh homecoming homecoming Homecoming. oh yeah whatever it was i didn't go to any of those things i guess i did but i don't remember so the whole time you're there were you think about riding dirt bikes um no actually i was only there for like 45 minutes and then went out in the desert oh in the in the jeep in my buddy's truck. Okay. So you just did did you did your girlfriends go with you? No. Oh man. Yeah. Was that was that a was that a, a good thing or a bad thing? You still have a girlfriend, by the way. Never had one. Oh, you didn't have one. Just no. a friend. Yeah. You just let her do her thing and you went and did your thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just checking. Good. Uh Victor in the, is in the chat and he actually said uh Said Matt mean it means a apocalyptic uh, Templar. What's an apop- apocalyptic Templar? That that word you, you guys were struggling with. Right. What does it mean? What yeah. what is what is an apocalyp- apocalyptic Templar? I mean, yeah, that's 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 what it means. But what does that mean? Well, that's a bot <laughs> paragraph. Why don't you learn something in school and tell me these answers? Like, I'm just an old dude. I don't know anything. Except for, like, turn the throttle farther. Just twist the throttle, bro. Okay, next question. Uh, third, third. All-wheel drive with drive system, one foot powered. The all-wheel drive system, one foot powered. Um, I think he's looking for the Christini mountain bike. 
The Christini fat tired mountain bike is the answer to that question. But it's kind of a comment, more or less. Got more stuff coming. Yeah. You know, um, DDC makes awesome sprockets for your dirt bike. If you're looking for a stainless steel, long lasting, I'll call them everlasting sprockets. Uh, Nate is a uh, super enthusiast. He's has sprockets for most common dirt bikes and he's always sold out because his stuff is so good. That's how good it is. But if you have a Yamaha, he has sprockets for you. So what you need to do is you need to go to ddcracing.net. Just like it says on the logo there. I had to check it because I don't remember all my websites. Um, order up some Yamaha stuff and tell them Dirt Bike Test sent you and maybe you'll get a, a special deal. But uh, everything else is it's on its way. It's close because I'm waiting for a couple KTM 50s right now. So, But those are, man, I, I've never worn one out. And... I ride well I have a lot of bikes too but ride a lot so and they 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 handle the power of a Husaberg 570 so I don't care what you're going to do to your other bike you know you're going to add some ECUs or pipes or something like that it'll it'll your DDC sprocket will always handle your power because it handles mine next question Logan uh Tech Talk 112 the pattern f- forms 85 why did the 2022 change not come to the x models so uh he's talking about honda so this is the question i was asking about so why did the 2022 honda crf r changes not come to the x well if you are familiar with how honda treats the crf x they generally make it and they they let it ride for as long as it possibly can so that bike they, they usually like the x and the 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 l so the crf 450 rx and crf no crf 450 x and crf 450 l are kind of a completely different platform it's, it was originally modeled off the, the the current r but it has you know six speed transmission it's emissions compliant it actually has to meet a whole bunch of different durability standards and stuff and once they build that bike they build it and usually within the first two years they'll make a certain number of changes just like slight upgrades to get it just right um you know durability concerns uh if there's little things that they know that'll make it that'll very simply without much cost up make it way better they do it and then that bike will stay the same for a long long time so don't expect to see uh, a lot of X or L model changes. I wouldn't think in the in the next three to five years. I'm guessing, just guessing, but who knows? Um, yes. Twenty twenty one beta two hundred full test video, WSL. Great review. Good to find out that I, it can be set up for casual trail riding with that button and adjusting for fork and shock. Yes. Um, it is. And that was, I think I said this, didn't I? I, it's been a while since that, that video has been up there, but I'm pretty sure I said that was the magic of this bike is that it, it can very easily go, from being a trail riding bike, like an aggressive trail riding bike, but you know, cause KTM doesn't make a 200 anymore. 
and and KTM was always kind of the, the standard of the benchmark. By the way, I have one for sale, a 2014 KTM 200 XCW, I believe it is. No, it's 15, 2015. I, I want to sell it. So I want to say it's better than the beta, but it's not. <laughs> Actually, when I got the beta, I went and rode mine back to back. I went back and forth a couple of times. I'm not selling the KTM because the beta is better. I'm selling the KTM because I'm fat and I need a 300. You want to guess how much I weighed today, Logan? Do you like doing this game with your girlfriend? How much do you weigh? Ooh. That's why you don't have a girlfriend. Do not recommend zero <laughs> How much do you think I weigh today, Logan? I don't know. Guess. 215. Whoa. Really? I look. Two, two you said 215. 15. Yeah, what do you think, Matt? I saw you run a lot. I'm going to say 196, 195. And that's way closer. It was 199.6. And the good thing is, is if it hit 200, you there would be none of this here on the table. Like mm-hmm. it just like that I've done that one other time. I hit that magic number. That's why we're talking about 200, see? So when I hit 200, like, I'm done. But that's why I'm going to get a 300. So I'm selling my 200 so I can get a 300 because then maybe I can just keep... So the keep, mark's 300 now. Well, then I can keep going. I don't have to worry about dieting. Yeah. Know, I can just... I don't have to worry about this 200 mark. Because the Husaberg doesn't care. 570? Like, that's a lot. I, it, it'll pull a lot of weight. Like, even if I was 570 pounds, the Husaberg would still roost. KTM 200, a big problem. Uh... But that's the cool thing about the the beta is is that it, it the two hundred size motor is so good at being such a good friendly trail bike and then and it has that ability to be able to rate you know be raced kind of like a one twenty five but kind of has torque you know way more torque it's just such a good bike and the the switch on that one has really been the first time if I remember correctly that the beta switch did what it was supposed to do. And it did a really good job. It was almost like traction control, uh, to a certain extent. So the fork and shock adjustments, it was, you know, typical, um, with that, those components, you know, five or six clicks, seven clicks makes a pretty substantial difference. It's probably a little stiffer than you'd want it if it were a pure trail bike and probably not stiff enough if you were looking for a pure race bike, but it strikes that balance. It's really good. So do we have chat questions now? Hey, Logan, we have a box? Yeah. Got a big box. Let's pull it up. Oh, we got to do Roost Nendo too, don't we? I was going to say, we're kind of out of order with this, but... Uh, got a box. Yeah, yeah. We have this, a box this for is, a couple weeks now. This is kind of what we're testing. This is, the, this is the what we're testing box. What do you think it is? Wait, is this the right box? You can't tell from this side. That's the side I opened it up on, and I couldn't. I didn't know what it was when it showed up. Boots. Boots. So we started this segment with some CD boots, and they didn't have these in stock. So these are the. What oh, is it? Another box. It's a box in a box. Yeah. I see Kevin's got his mapping question. He's got me some. He's got some parameters. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what these are, Logan. You know which ones these are. Um, the Jimmy, I hate say to give you a compliment, but those are pretty good looking boots. Well, don't compliment me. Compliment CD. Yeah. 
What kind of boots do you wear, Bob? Uh, the Tech 7. I'm a big fan of the Tech 7 as well. Say the name of the boot, Logan. Okay. Um, oh. It says right now, go to the back. Is it not just Crossfire? I think it, I think that I think that that Art, graph. Ardo Joe, Ardo, Ardo. At Tojo. At go. At at Ojo. Uh, Tojo. Look at look at the picture on the back. See how it's stacked up like a pyramid? That might help you. A Tojo. So these are CD's latest boots. They're actually they've been out for a little bit while, a little while now. I uh, I've not worn them yet. And I'm excited to wear them because the biggest thing that these ones are is much lighter. I know they've increased the size of the toe box, which is a huge um, kind of a complaint area on the on the CDs for a lot of riders. And I mean, I've always liked the CD buckles. The quality of these things looks like it's insane. It's been insane. Look at this this uh, flexion. So it actually has the the flexion catch on the toe up here as opposed to being on the heel so anyways nice looking pair of boots that's got some good materials in there they still have like the screw on sole on the bottom yep the srs sole which hold it hold that thing up logan so they can see so an srs sole which is a replaceable so this piece is replaceable um with just these uh their quarter turn uh, screws in there i've actually never had one come loose but i will tell you what don't wear those things out because they are a bitch to get out. If you wear if you wear your sole down to where you can't get the screws out, you got to take a little die grinder and recut the. You know if you wear the screw out. Yeah. Yeah, that gets that gets kind of difficult. So we'll be testing those in the very near future. Uh, I'll let you know how they go. Um, so yeah, I've been a big fan of the Crossfire. It's the boots that I wear most of the time when I'm riding. So is this like the replacement of the Crossfire, or is it's this like the next? It's like an it's like an upgrade. It's okay. like a it's like kind of the next level, and it's a little bit more. It's I think it's for somebody who's looking for a lighter boot. I don't know, like so. Alpine Stars has Tech Eight and Tech Ten are their two premium boots, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure they wanted to just graduate straight to Tech Ten and no longer do Tech Eight. Right. But everybody like there's there's it's it's you're kind of like if you're an Alpine Stars guy, it's either or. You like one or the other, mm -hmm. and I tend to prefer the Tech Eight more than the Tech Ten. Tech 10 got, you know, a, it was supposed to get a little bit lighter and a little more flexibility and a couple other things. And they did that. But I also felt like I wanted a little more protection. Hence, that's the reason I like the CD on the sole. The, the Alpine Stars tends to flex and a little bit more on the sole. It gives you more feel. Some riders like this. And I don't know that it's, like I said, I don't know that it's a, it's a good or a bad thing. But for me, I know what I prefer. What are you trying to steal those things, Logan? No. They're not going on your feet. Those are mine. I think he's trying to clear the way so we can get to the board. Oh. Yeah. So when we do go and yeah. oh, get, trip over everything. Get rooster endo. Yeah. yeah. We don't want uh, Logan to endo. <laughs> so so I, it may be the same sort of thing where there's going to be crossfire and there's going to be a tojo. And they're kind of like two different you know, two different things. They're trying to expand their market. Maybe they're trying to go after some of the people that like, and it's kind of designed as more of a motocross boot where the, the crossfire seems like it's got a reputation as being a little more of an off-road boot, but mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see this. Um, and, and with the same sole, you know, with that, that heavy stiff sole of the SRS, uh, that 
is kind of like the trademark CD thing. And that's what makes it a lot different than the, the way the Alpine stars feel. And I don't have a ton of experience with Garnet's, which would be one of the other high end brands. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have Fox and a couple other companies that are um, really working on getting into You the, like that Fox boot too, right? Um, of course I'm going back a few years. I thought it was one of the most comfortable boots I've ever worn. Maybe a little bit too flexible and a little bit, it was a little large. It was mm-hmm. a little, it was kind of big, but um I, w- I wanted to do a really intensive boot comparison and we were going to do that in one of our printed, you know, printed or magazine, digital magazines when we were doing those, but we, uh, didn't work out. So I yeah. just have all the information. It's just kind of floating around here. Kind of like the last tequila I had. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Yeah. Um, okay. Where yeah, are we at Rooster now? Rando time. Rooster Rando. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, big question. Big question. Who said only one bike per person? One bike per person? Me, but that rule's been broken multiple times. Okay. Also, so for Rooster Endo, uh, everyone, we need more bikes for Rooster Endo. Oh. Yeah. Running out. Yeah. So send in your Rooster Endo. If you wonder what Rooster Endo is, it's, a, it's the thing where you send uh, Jimmy and Logan uh, a picture of your bike and a description. You know this isn't going to work, Logan. What are you doing in Woodshop? Are you going out and around the corner and smoking weed or something like that? Because I thought you were going to make a better board. Yeah, I was, but then I wasn't there uh, Monday. Why? I had a friend come in from out of town. That's not. I never got to ditch school. My friend came from out of town. Yeah. You do. You get to ditch school. Well, can, can you ditch, uh, can you just school to come and do slave labor at Tech Talk Taco Tuesday Studios? He's been paid. Well, I know he's yeah. been paid, but that we're gonna we're this this board is un, unsatisfactory. We are over. We are outgrowing the board. Yeah. Okay. Let's run with it. What do we got? Uh, Dan Welsh. Okay. Give me the picture. Uh, 2013 KTM 690R. Oh, do you guys just like want to torture me with these KTM 690s? I hate this bike. Why do you think that one? He's got a comment for you. Oh, go okay. For a while. I don't even have to. I, I, I look. I just look at it and I go. I know you're trying to like. Don't, don't, aren't these transitional bikes? I guess. I don't right. Know. I, well, I've the, never really read the one. whole the whole last episode that all you should have promoted that thing with is the fact that that, that we were talking about transgender motorcycles. Well, specifically, well, specifically the KTM 690. Okay, keep going, Logan. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Um, 11.5 inch wheel travel, Kenda tires, supports Jimmy Lewis. Kenda tires are good. Yep, that's that's the that's the best thing about this bike right now. Supports Jimmy guy. Lewis. I was on getting the picture up. There we go. Oh, yeah, everybody wants to know what the picture looks like. Yeah, there we go. Well, we have to describe it. It's a, it's a KTM 690. It's Whoa, like it's... this it's like this unicorn of a motorcycle. It it is it's the best motorcycle in the world to anybody that owns a KTM 690 because the 690 does everything about half as good as it should um, in a single motorcycle. That's why I have a 500 and 1190 or 1090. Supports Jimmy Lewis, even though he doesn't understand 690s. 4.5 gallons of fuel kind. How did you get 4.5 gallons? How much money did that cost you to figure out a way to strap 4.5 gallons of fuel onto this monster. I think the bags are full of fuel bags. Well, it's a bomb. Like it has a gas tank under the seat. They couldn't even figure out where to put the gas tank in this motorcycle when they designed it. 
it it does have a really nice motor it the motor is a is probably one of the best large displacement single cylinders um that i've that i've ever ridden but it's it's no husaberg 570 it tries but it's it's a big it's a big one longer it's like this it's like a really really good xr 650 if you know what i mean you 4.5 gallons of fuel kind of like a big red honda with an e-start isn't that what it is said without even reading it yes yeah i know what it is that's a roost that that guy's if you if you are crazy enough to send your ktm 690 photo in here then that then you, you get a roost that's a good what do i have to get a pin okay yeah. off of travis over here okay get a pin yeah next next bike so matt mattoon who 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 sent that what was his name again uh, dan, dan, dan dan welsh yeah thanks dan yeah that was ballsy but your your bike roost and all the other KTM 690 owners, you you are the pinnacle of KTM 690 owners right now. You should just actually that's your bike is set up the way that they should be. That that bike looks like it. I, I'm not I'm not even kidding you here right now because you've got fuel. I hope I hope it's not in the bags. I hope it's I hope you have that the gas tank kit that does cost a substantial amount of money. You know what we should do is um we should get a Patreon account. And then we'll like use uh, Patreon. If you if you Patreon us, then we'll do your bike or something like that. We gotta figure out a way to you know get the get the per issue per um, per episode count up there. Yeah, well, we should do. Uh, but then, but then if but, but then if we Patreon, uh-huh. um, and then we pissed on your bike, they'd probably cancel the subscription, so it wouldn't work out too good. I think if they're a fan of you, they're they're. Probably gonna enjoy. They, under, enjoy, they, understand, they understand it. Understand, yeah. Okay. Hey, did anybody figure out what my shirt means? Uh, lots did, of guesses. Did anybody get the company? I don't know, but San Felipe Bob has my best, has my favorite answer. Oh, 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 oh. We got to read these off. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole section. I, I, okay. you, you, I, I don't even know what it is. So okay. I, mine was uh, amazed that that worked. That's okay. my guess. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Matt Mattoon. Oh, it, Matt Mattoon. Yeah. Really snuck this thing in. Hey, that. That's some composition with that photo, Matt. Who did, who shot that? Did is this why is this, this is I pulled this off of uh, Dennis Faldor's uh, Facebook page. Oh, because he posted this picture. Oh, I figured you you went out and did this at lunch. That's why you took yeah. a long lunch. No, no, I took a long lunch because uh, I was uh, I was wo- I was awakened a little early this morning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, oh, by the the, the thunder the thunder showers and stuff like that. You took a nap. I'm the only one allowed. I'm the only Almost one that's did. allowed to do naps around Almost here. Almost did. I was like dozing off. Okay, anyway, let's go. I, what what is this thing? It's a KLR six fifty. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Same as every other KLR six fifty, except for this year. They have a new one. Uh, fork brace, steel braided brake lines, better brake rotors, moose off road pegs, six oh six tires, aluminum skid plate, best adventure bike ever made. Has one red fairing to add a. Sp- 40-year look on the left side of the bike. Oil drain plug is always tight since one incident in 2014. Dennis Falduff owns it. Matt rides it. Well, I, I, the funny thing is I don't know why you didn't just put Dennis's name in here and like slide it in, like cheat it in. Oh, because, because uh, I'm the one who rides it. And well, well I, I'll tell you what. One thing I did notice is that every single one of those modifications is a really super solid KLR 650 modification. Mm-hmm. Now, the, especially the front brake 
And when you get the front brake, you need the fork brace because if you increase the power of the front brake, it flexes the forks. Yeah. Um, so super good mods. Those tires are great in this bike. It'd be better if he had Kenda, um, you know, Parker DTs for more aggressive riding. If he decided to do it, or he could use some Kenda big blocks if he wanted to go the long distance route. I'm just saying that because Kenda helps out my school, and those are these two tires that I really like and I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, the that that's a super solid KLR. It's almost as good as that last ktm 690 half the horsepower half the double horsepower. the double the fuel capacity stock double the fun um well i don't know about that neither of these bikes are very fun because you can't do what you really want to do on them i don't know i can get wherever i want on the klr yeah but like if i was on my ktm 1090 and we were going along a long adventure ride i'd blow your doors off and and have a lot more power or if we tried to go single track riding and i was on my ktm 500 yeah. you'd be you'd be a hurting unit so yeah but this the KLR never stops. It never does. Unless you leave the drain oil drain plug out. Yes, yes. Did but you did you do that on this? Do you bike? remember it was a taste of da- uh, Dakar? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Scott and I had to park by the side of the road, made a little fire, we had to wait. But right. No, uh, I, I'm not claiming that mechanical roost because bikes fully roost. It's roosting. It's it's perfect. Right up there. Yeah, that's a good it's, that's a good bike. It's yeah. sitting out front, right outside, right now, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's sitting outside. Yeah, that's actually going to be my, uh, after Dennis's last little visit, that's actually going to be my little commuter vehicle around Pahrump now. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Kevin Harris, 2021 YZ. This bike looks like it needs a map. Is stock besides the graphics? It's got a wild ass graphics package on it. Yeah. Do we know? That's, uh, that's, that's, that's all he wrote. Uh, he actually just uploaded the picture and then kind of texted me some stuff and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. He didn't even go through the proper protocols. He didn't even go through the proper protocols. And he so, thinks he's going to get a free map out of this. Yeah, yeah. Endo. Even if you are a cop in town. And even though it's a Yamaha. And even though it's a Yamaha. It's, it it probably has some, some Travis Preston or Chris Kiefer map in it. It's down. When it gets, maps. Well, it, when he, when, he, he likes experimenting. When I, when I send the map, it might just jump right to the roost zone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to have a picture of it with the map in it. Well, so, he, he, he did say in the chat he wants the Jimmy special. Well, does he know, does he know what that is? No. And if, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Jimmy special scares me my maps are all special <laughs> just like the rider uh, uh okay we have a picture of two bikes here marion hackworth i don't Ma- know mary what, Marian? <laughs> Matt, I Martin Matt, easy on that that thing you just clipped that thing so hard <laughs> mary yeah marion hackworth yeah okay yeah uh matt do you have something to say or say this matt asked about details he said you know well, I, I sent him. I saw this post. I saw this one, and I said Logan doesn't know. Mm. So is, is it like we're, we have ESP? And so it's a picture. Um, it's a really nice place that he's ridden to on a um, couple of KTM or a Husky and a, a white KTM. We used to like to call them that. A uh, couple of those bikes, and they've ridden in. It's it's in Kansas. I can just tell from the picture that it's someplace in Kansas. And there's a chainsaw in the front of one of them, which right away makes me um, very respectful of uh, what they're doing. They're out cutting trail. They're opening trails up for for all of us to ride on. 
and that's that's awesome um i wish i had one of those bikes like i only have a 200 i'm gonna sell it and i'm gonna get a 300 though yeah and then i'll then i'm then i can go riding with these guys because there's no way i could go riding with them on a 200 it's a it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a he's trying to he's trying to pick on me and make me feel bad that i'm not there so it's endo Improper, didn't follow proper protocol. Yeah, and improper protocol. Uh, San Felipe Bob, right? Yeah. His kid's know. bike, Oset 16. Why doesn't it have his kid's name on it? Why didn't his kids send this in? You, you're doing work for your kid. I don't think this is good to do work for your kids. I'm pretty sure he's talked about he rides it oh, quite he, more than the kid. Oh, well, it doesn't surprise me. But didn't he already said? Has he sent a bike in yet? I don't think so. Oh, he's so involved in the show. I just get get confused. But okay, it's an OSAT. Uh, Pro Taper Trials Grips Plastic Bar Ends. <laughs> Does he say what size it is? An OSAT? 16. That's an OSAT 16. Bob, you're a big dude. Get a 20. Get an OSAT 20. Or 24. They make a 24 now. I'm, well, when I checked, oh. which was like four years ago. Okay. I knew they were slowly. I mean, when I first saw these things, they were just little tiny. They're more like those Strider bikes. They're little tiny things. And they just started as, I can't remember his name. The, the, the Oliver was the name of the kid. His dad is the one that started building these things. And they're built in England. And they started making them bigger as this kid grew up. And his kid was a really awesome trials rider on them. And they were, they were, they, for the longest time, I said these were the best electric bikes out there because they were simple. Um, they taught balance. They, you could take it to the park and ride it. And the battery lasted longer than your kid's attention span. And for that reason, OSETs are a roost. So right over there. That, that's it. We've, we've milked through those things. Yeah. So send us in some, um, some new, uh, New rooster endos, if you're not afraid, you know, we'll tell you what we really think. I probably won't hold back. And then, uh, who knows, maybe some, maybe uh, a uh, celebrity in the industry might actually end up rating a bike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we had Ricky rate bikes, right? Yeah, Eli and, rated Eli. bikes. Oh, yeah, Eli rated bikes? Ever rating bikes. He, he rated uh, Big John's. Oh, and Big John, I haven't heard from him since. I mean, yeah. He probably went out on a big bender and got thrown in jail that night. Yeah, yeah. Got so oh, wait, excited. I thought, I thought we were supposed to say he's uh, he's in jail. I thought I thought we got in trouble for that. It's, I haven't seen him. He hasn't told me anything okay. about this. It's only through the through the rumor mill I hear these things. Right. So okay, we've got questions in the chat room. Yes, so if we do you have questions in the chat. If you're live um, on this show, you can go in the chat room and you can ask us questions live when I say something that confuses you or Logan says something that confuses you or you want to know, you know, like these techniques to pick up chicks, you know, and Logan's got a TikTok channel that he doesn't tell us about where he's all about like the, the, the high school dating techniques. If you're in rural areas and you have dirt bikes, I don't know what the page is cause he won't share it with me, but I've heard rumors. It's working out though. Right. Your, your your new friend is taller than you, right? Yeah, and that's kind of like a that's like a that's kind of a score in your world, right? I it's don't like know. A, it's a good thing. I guess you guess. Okay, just checking. But you're just friends, right? Mm-hmm. Just friends. I'm throwing the, the air quotes up for anybody that's not watching. Yeah. So Bob's pretty happy you made the roost. Yeah, he is. He wants Logan to rate it too. Rate his bike. No, you got to go to Logan's TikTok channel. 
<laughs> get the answers over there. Yeah. So, uh, Logan, I've, I've actually been doing the cha- uh, chat questions smart this time and just copy and pasting them rather than scrolling through the chat. Yep. So uh, they're on that document. So, oh, SS. Wait, so it's after... Did you guys practice this? No. So this is just a dry run during so, the show yep. live. Yeah, yeah, we just... We're so so now we're, bold, so, we're innovators. We just go for it. So now so now you're you're gonna you're gonna make all the same mistakes that I made, like you know by even starting this podcast. You guys are gonna continue along that path. Uh, uh, so I'm leading by example. You're leading by example, but we're also we're learning from your mistakes. Okay. Yeah. This should have been tuned up. We should have been ready. We should have just been dropping the questions. We shouldn't have had the discussion about how we're doing it because now we've given away our super top secret method. It's very secret. Right. We'll tell you anything about motorcycles, but the podcasting game is like that's where the that's mm-hmm. where the tricks are. It's okay. It's okay. I challenge people to set up OBS like like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to tell them what we use. Matt, what's I the use name Do- of the I use Dobel Diamante. Ooh, the name so of the first not person a bad method. Yeah. Also, Logan, it's the very last. It's all on the last page. Okay, so it starts with SS. Yep. Okay. I'm getting head shake slash loose feeling front and sand from my 14 KTM 250 XC. Would a steering bearing have anything to do with that? Or do I just need a steering stabilizer? Okay. So would a steering bearing have anything to do with it? And the answer is yes, it could, but more than likely not. So I have had... Um, steering bearings that rusted and 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 i've also had steering bearings that have been in such of an impact that it actually dented the race and or the bearing and so it didn't move freely and the ones that were dented or the ones that rusted developed sort of a flat spot so the handlebars would not stay straight they would index off of center this makes sense and since it was off a of center when the bike had the tendency to in, in, in especially on a you know, a KTM as much as would be the most common, maybe eh, probably KTM would be the most common because it is a, it is a, I would say less stable feeling bike. It could cause the bike to give you some head shake. So yes, it could be steering bearings issues, but very uncommon. And the way you can tell is put the damn bike up on the stand and that steer that it should just be buttery. If it's not buttery, replace parts. It could be bike setup. This is probably the most common problem is you have a bike that's high in the rear and putting weight onto the front wheel. So in some way, shape or form, you, you're, you know, it, and it just depends on or it could be way too low in the rear. It can be either or. Most common is it's too high in the rear. But a lot of times when people talk about, did he say accelerating? What was his? In sand. In, but accelerating in sand, it becomes unstable. So that's a, that's a big tell for me. So like if it's, if it's during acceleration, sometimes the bike's squatting so low, it makes the front end too light and it doesn't track. Mm-hmm. But if it's on deceleration, like when he chops the throttle or is it steady throttle, that means the rear end's too high and it's putting a lot of weight on the front end and the front end tries to go someplace that maybe doesn't necessarily want to, too much weight. Also, the rider is always out of balance in this case. That's what's amplifying the problem a little bit more. Uh, so... There's a lot of things it could be, but I doubt a steering. Would a steering stabilizer help? Yes. I've never met a bike 
that with the proper steering stabilizer, it didn't help. And it just depends on how you set it up. And that doesn't mean just crank it tight. It means have it set up properly. And I could do a whole show on how to set up a steering stabilizer and why to set it up certain ways, depending on your riding style. So if I didn't just blow your mind with all those answers, then you're probably not listening to this show. John Jackson. I'll have a Dobell, Victor. Thank you. (laughs) John Jackson. What is your opinion on scrambler style bikes? What are offered by Ducati, Triumph, BMW, etc.? Are they heavy dual sport bikes or light he- light duty adventure bikes? They're bikes with generally horrible ergonomics that are designed to look good at the coffee shop and make riding in dirt more difficult than it should be. But they're trendy and people like them. And um hmm. I don't have too much of an opinion on them. I mean, I think I think it's funny that you see guys racing them and doing different stuff with them, but uh, it's not a light adventure bike. It's more probably more of an adventure bike because they're heavy. They are heavy. They're low performance heavy adventure bikes, kind of like a KLR six fifty, but it's not as comfortable. KLR six fifty is comfortable. Yeah. So, um. They don't offer the wind protection. They just, they just, they're made to be seen on. Like you, you, you buy it to be seen on or to be part of some sort of a culture. And you're, you're probably your, your, your primary objective. I'm guessing because I don't know, is to be seen on it more than actually go and use it for, like whatever type of riding you want to. If your riding involves wanting to be seen on it and have that style and stuff, that's cool. I mean, that's. I'm glad that people are part of the uh, part of the sport in that way. So that's what I think. Um, so before we continue, uh, I need to make a confession. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I thought Kevin had had knew about the rules of uh, Mr. Endo. Right. So I just told him submit uh, submit your bike for it, and he thought it was just a picture. Oh. So. Do you, so we need to have an official rules now. Well, need, okay, I, I, thought, I guess I we're gonna have to. Purpose. You're gonna have to do a post on dirt bike test. You have an account you can yep. post up there. So you do tomorrow. Your yep. part of your job description yep. is to write a post on how do I get my bike in Rooster Endo, and then you put the rules there. Very and detailed, then, and then you send them a link. Yeah, on how to do it, and yep. that'll work awesome. And then, 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 um, thank you, Kevin, for pointing out Matt's shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always nice. It's always it's always nice to be corrected around here. Mm-hmm. The whippings will continue. Okay, next question. <laughs> All right. Nathaniel Cruz, DRZ 400s Desert Racing Thoughts. That's about as stupid as having a scrambler at a desert race. <laughs> no, I don't know. DRZ 400 was such a good bike at the time because it was an electric start XR 400. And that was really the best thing about it because the XR 400, there was really nothing good about that motorcycle, but they water-cooled and electric started an XR 400, made it yellow, and called it the DRZ. And at the time, these bikes, okay, so we talk about like these guys wanting to modify KTMs now. And I'm like, yeah. why do you want to do this? Well, a DRZ, I, I actually used to say the same thing. I'm like, why do you want to modify this thing? You're going to wreck it because stock, they were pretty good. But you could go down Modification Boulevard on a DRZ and spend three times the value of that bike. And it still wouldn't be as good as starting with a motocross bike and trying to 
bring it back. Mm-hmm. I don't think racing a DRZ, unless you're like a just starting out beginner novice and you're just trying to get your feet wet. And all the modifications of the world are never going to turn it into what it is, which is a very heavy, mm, lower to medium performance, especially now compared to the current bikes. Um, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's it's a, the great trail bike. I mean, just comfortable. Don't don't go hill climbing on it. Trust me, it's the worst hill climbing bike ever. The seat the, the seat and the gas tank are really high and a little bit far back, and I couldn't figure it out because it was hills that I could climb on every other bike and I could not climb them on the DRZ four hundred. I had stock ones and modified ones, and no matter what, and especially when we went to bigger tanks, they were just. Ugh. But the seat rides a little bit high and it just doesn't hill climb very well, so don't do that. Kevin Harris, for mapping, I want something that comes on smooth smooth but gives you more mid to top end and longer revving okay so when you're doing mapping the one thing i didn't mention earlier when we were talking about this is you're not really going to increase the power it's not going to increase or decrease the power it's going to kind of change how it delivered and you can you can make it feel like it has more or less power but it doesn't really so much change it that so when he says he wants more i'm, I'm hope he's talking about throttle response and like you know kind of excitement as opposed to like, you know, more power. Cause when you start going more power, then you want to do things like, you know, cams, pipes, running different fuels, all the stuff that will, you know, increase the efficiency of that air pump that the motor is. So I can get you a map like does that. That's actually, that's actually what I look for a lot of times in, in my maps um, is, is Yamaha tends to build a little bit of spunk into their standard maps, uh, especially on the 450s. And it's funny because, you know, I, I jokingly said I don't like Travis Preston's maps. Um, Travis makes maps for Travis, and I think most people will actually like his map because they actually feel like they give the bikes, you know, a little bit more snap. And and he's a, he's a, he's a bigger guy. You know, the guy's won Supercrosses before. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to ride and he knows exactly where he wants that bike to hit and pull. And it's exactly where Jimmy Lewis does not want the bike to hit or pull because I don't ride like that. And I don't want that kind of acceleration and power. I want it to happen kind of a little bit later. So, um, you think Emily wants to be on the show? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I <laughs> yeah. think she's on the, the power way. button once. No, I'm, I'm, the power button, which yeah. is that, that's the one on the side. Yeah. I just hang up on her. No, nope. just once silences it and then again hangs up on it. Okay. That's good. She should be watching the show. Yeah. Her husband's going to be on the show. Captain Larry's going to do the safety segment. Yeah, I thought he was going to come on this week. Uh, he was, he's busy. He's, that's probably why they're calling me because I'm, I'm late for work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I wasn't supposed to show up tonight. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have important things to do around here. Sponsor obligations, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, anyways, I can make you a map, Kevin. I, I've got, I've got one in my phone right now that I could send you, but um, it might be a couple days because I've, you have to remind me, Matt, and I'll try to remember to do it. I need an email address too, by the way. Brandon Mueller. 2009 YZ250F front brake issue squishy squishy and loss of braking power bleeding and pumped in new brake fluid pads and rotor look good and not contaminated clean with brake fluid thoroughly suggested next steps 
check. replace break line nope. and or rebuild caliper no nope. first thing check the pins make sure that the caliper is sliding freely on the pins because I've seen a lot of times where the where the where the what happens is the the caliper and I think I think I think Brandon used to be one of the designers at Climb if I'm not mistaken just the name sounds really familiar, um, and if the if the caliper if the caliper kind of seizes on the pins and it's not completely centered you have to imagine it's actually flexing the disc rotor in order to to make it to make it squeeze it and it and it can't. Um, it can't, uh, it, it always remains spongy. So it's just, it's like, it's constantly, it's like, you know how we back bleed them? Yeah. It's like you're half back bleeding it. You know how you have to push the lever extra far to get to compress? Yep. It's, it could be doing that. That would be the next thing I would check. Um, but if you've done, he, he's doing all the right steps. He's done all the steps right up until now. And this is the next thing I would check. And I'll bet you, you'll find that it might, it may have. And I think he's living in a, mo a more moist, wet area. And that's why I keep those pins greased on my bikes. Nine out of ten without referring to a reference manual. One, two, three. Yes, four, that's Brandon. Five. Yeah, he said right there in the chat. It's Brandon who used to be one of the designers at Climb. I remember one name out of a hundred. <laughs> Sean Elliott, DRZ mods can be compared to a project with a KTM 390 Adventure. Oh, wow. Good job. <laughs> Touche, huh? <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to, you'd be, you'd be, you'd, you know what? You'd be better off turning a DRZ 400 into a KTM 390 like bike than going desert racing on it. True fact. You could, you could, you could turn that DR, you would lower that DRZ and get some luggage and stuff for it. And you would have a KTM, a carbureted, albeit KTM 390. And it, mm, I don't know if it would last as long as the KTM, but it comes with different size tires. That's a really good, um, get a big tank on it. I built, I, I rode from Mexico to Canada on a DRZ 400. So I know the bike. Is that it? We had a question? No, we got one oh, more big one. One more oh, big one. Two. And there's a small one after yeah. that. Yeah. French's, Francis Cuddy. Jimmy, last week I asked you about swapping to a Husqvarna TE swing arm on my 19300XC. I really appreciate your response. It was great. I had already done several of the things you mentioned. Suspension well, I was I was waiting. I was waiting for the butt. <laughs> I was waiting for the. I, I really liked your response, but oh no, no, good. Okay, so good. He's he's still going. I'm waiting for the butt. Keep going. Suspension is dialed. I have WP cone valves, spring forks, and a bleeder conversion on my OEM shock. I bought cone valves because I'm six six two. 130 pounds racing vet a closer to vet minus and would prefer to buy suspension once and not revalve slash resprung every time i buy a new bike so all performance tune this stuff and it's really good okay so i just want to hold you right there that is the best explanation i've heard for buying kit suspension in a long time <laughs> I, you know, he wants to, he, he knows he's going to put it on his different bikes. A good thing about like the KTM Husky platform is that they don't change the bikes a whole lot enough to where you can't have the suspension very easily modified to fit on the other bike, or it just keeps going from year to year. Like I'm using the KTM 500 I'm going to ride next week has an Olin shock on it from 2008 that still fits on the bike and the front forks. I'm actually running forks off of a, 
2010 or 11 bike that I had. But anyway, so it works. So that that's a very good. I now okay. I'm on. I'm on board. Totally on board with what he's doing. Um, Where's the butt? Keep going. I do have Mako 360 handlebar mounts. Those are great and smooth things out a lot. Did did I tell him that that was one of the things to do? I think I did. I mentioned yeah, that did. or flex bars. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Also have a Boyson shock out on the left grip. Boyson, Boyson shock. What is it called? Shock out. Shock out. Yeah, it's the one that you can turn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a throttle grip on your. Because people don't know what this is. It's like it's like a it's basically an elastomer that allows the 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 clutch grip to pivot a little bit. You know, it's a it it's a take some you know some things out. Okay, go ahead. Boyson discontinued that product. That makes me sad. I run Michelin tires and Michelin mooses. Really? And we we suggested this too, I believe, because we talked. He was talking about his bike being harsh. He wants a. a a more compliant chassis but so he's going mm-hmm. all the steps so far yes an enduro medium is a great tire i have removed my engine mounts and reinstalled them with 23 newton meters instead of the spec 25 newton meter loctite was used i test out bolt removal at my turn track in the ne- near future based on feedback from from you and my shop, I've saved money for a 2024 300 <laughs> X, XCW. I just got a 21500 XCFW and prefer the compliance of the PDS chassis so much more than the linkage bike. The 500 is probably the the best dirt bike ever. Riding everything I do on my 300 with more effort, no doubt. But then I could also ride around the planet without trouble. What a machine. Thanks again for your help. I did not tell him to buy a 500 XCF EXE, did I? I don't, um, I don't remember telling him that. If he watched episodes before, but not recently. Yeah. No, I used to say that was the bike to buy. But, you know, now since we're, you know, Yamaha is our brand, it's like they don't have a dual sport bike. So, like, there's dual sport bikes just don't even exist. Generous. Oh yeah, they hit the Tenere, but that's yeah. that's an adventure bike. Oh, we're, we're gonna try not. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a Tenere is about the same size as the KTM six ninety because it's a seven hundred, so it's ten better, <laughs> and it's a Yamaha. So that's the Tenere is an awesome bike too. Yeah, I love I like that. Big John has one. You, you should probably just drop it off at your house since he's in jail, right? Yeah, um, drop it off at my place. So I can so. Do a- so he, he, the, the interesting thing he started talking about, so he bought his, so he, he, his bike was an, what was his original bike? It was an XC or is it? 19, was, 300 XC. 300 XCF or XCW. XC. XC. Okay. So linkage bike. Mm-hmm. The, the hard thing is that those, the, now the suspension isn't going to, cause he's going from linkage to PDS. So it's not going to change, but uh, what he felt, and this is what I'm worried about is, is, what he felt when he got that 500 was the mass of that four stroke motor, that heavier motor. There's a big difference between the way a two stroke feels and a four stroke feels. And I literally could have just said, Oh, you just need a four stroke. 
and all of his problems would have gone away because that's you know this from riding yeah. the two stroke they they're they're jittery they dance a little bit they 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 have that they they feel like they're tapping your feet and tapping your wrists maybe a little bit more the four stroke is just heavier and it feels a little bit more planted and this even is on on 250 four strokes and stuff so so that's what you're feeling the the 300 will probably feel a little bit more but the pds and i noticed this when the last time ktm did an intro we rode x i rode I rode an XCW one day and an XC the next day at a at a works race. I finished the same position wise. Nothing changed between the the two the two bikes as far as but there was definitely a different feel and the XC had a more race aggressive feel. The XCW so there's certain tracks portions on the track where one bike worked better than the other and 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 vice versa and at the end of the day I was like going God, which one would I really want? And and if I was just going to be doing works racing, you know, just that series, I would go XC for sure. But if I ever wanted a trail ride at all, I would never take the XC out on the trail because I could get as much done with the XCW, you know, and, and just so it's it's kind of it's one of those things where you, 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 there's there's not a bad bike. There's the a bad bike for you. Mm-hmm. You can choose. You can choose the wrong bike, and I always see this with guys that are taking motocross bikes and you know trying to you know convert them to off road, and then they do all the stuff. They do everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, my transmission, like I can't gear it right. <laughs> it's like, well, now you've you've found the limiting factor. That's why other ones have six speeds, or they actually make a wide race of transmission, and your brand doesn't have that you know available, or they they buy a you know a dual sport bike and they want to get motocross power out of it and it's like well now you need to buy another ecu or another this or another that and you know so it's there's a lot of ways to screw stuff up patrick Beatty, curious as to jimmy's bar bend preference for off-road slash xc i'm roughly same size and currently run renthal eight eight hundred and twenty seven i don't seem to like the higher bars tried pt windham slash rm mids now back on our 827 so i don't know the the numbers of the different bars and you know whether it's you know pro taper bars or renthals and they have all different numbers and stuff i run flex bars on all of my bikes because my wrists are bad and even if my wrists weren't bad now, as much as I know about them, I would run them all my bikes. So I'll tell you the bar I run generally the same height as stock. So the the, the height um, in on the flex bars, you know, the height is kind of how much the pins are raised from the pivots. You know, so so because you can also by you know stacking elastomers and torquing them differently, you can actually get a little bit more rise or fall in the bar. You know, based on you can use washers and actually space them up, or you can you know crank them down and, and they have rebound and compression elastomers on so there's adjustability up and down you know height wise but when it's it's not like a bar that is actually built higher because when you do it it's actually pivoting it so it's pivoting so it's kind of changing the angle so there's only so much you can do like this if you go a little bit too much then you then you would want to actually go to the next higher bar so your bars don't start getting um you know turned up yeah, uh, and then and then there's sweep, and so so I run. I used to run 14 degrees all the time, 
and and over time I've graduated to 12 degrees and at first I didn't like 12 degrees um, just it was too much but all the bikes seemed to be going that direction and I started to got used to it so now I'm 12 degrees sweep and so sweep is if it was zero degrees it'd be a flat bar straight across you know parallel um, you know straight across the forks and and so sweep is 12 degrees back towards you and they make 16 for adventure bikes. And so my adventure bike, sometimes I'm still running 14, but it's usually a 12 because on the adventure bike with a big gas tank, when I go to a 12 degree sweep, which my wrists and hands kind of like now, it pulls me a little bit farther forward. And those bikes had such a big gas tank that I can't get forward. So you can see how I get picky about this, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then, you know, we start talking about the height, you know, the adjustability of the height. So I don't know. So I'm, so I'm running the standard size flex bar. So if I want the, I want the bar to be in the same height as stock and then 12 degree sweep. And that would be, I don't know what bar bend that actually is. And then I can adjust the, the angles up and down ever so slightly to to make it exactly the way i want it and then you got to understand those bars move a little bit which bothers some people some people don't like this and now i love it um but they don't move much and uh in in the in the very first time you might ride it you might go whoa that doesn't feel that might feel a little unsettling and i started out by running kind of very stiff elastomers and now as i've gotten more and more used to it over probably 20 years of doing this now i'm running quite a softer elastomer that would i and it's funny because I, I hear that that's what people do that spend more time on them especially like they're they're learning this with the mountain bike because they make mountain bike bars now yeah that that and on the mountain bike i really notice the movement because mountain yeah. bikes are but holy crap if it isn't the best thing ever because mountain bikes are too yep. stiff unbelievable so uh little shout out to the guys at fast company flex bars um They've always uh, really kind of had my back. I was one of the first journalists that actually didn't just take them and throw them in the trash can and say, they're too heavy. This is junk. How can you <laughs> now? Like, look at all the old, look at what all the old, old smart dudes have been riding for a long time. Look what they're running. So any other, any other questions? Uh, I think that's about it. Actually, Is that, is that Patrick? He said he forgot that I run the flex bars. Yep. Yeah. So, um, give them a try. I, I, I kid you not. Like you sit there and you look at the price tag of those things, like 400 bucks. And it's like, what does a suspension revalve cost? Cause you're never going to have to revalve your front forks anymore. <laughs> they make, this is the very first thing I said about them was because at that, at that time, I don't think my wrists were junk yet. They were still okay, but they made, they made bad forks good. And I could get away with running a fork setting that actually worked better for, for, for you know sticking to the ground because i like you know i like a little bit softer which for most people tends to be wallowy but also it it doesn't get as good as traction as a, as a slightly stiffer setting but the stiffer setting wouldn't feel that good all of a sudden the handlebars would do the the work the fork should have done or the tire should have done and then i could run a good fork so um the the mako is uh, a, a different system and i i did i actually helped them a little bit with development on the early stages of that and it it's for me it's different and some people really like it and others don't just like some people don't like flex bars um it's to me um and and i know they've 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 probably for sure gotten better since then because he was really you know working in the, on the elastomers and different kind of compounds with the elastomers but it does sort of the same sort of thing it isolates the bar and i think they were going more for you know kind of they were trying to they were trying to do both vibration and that impact absorption 
but for me, since the, I think it's since the bars don't move independently, it acts a little bit different. And, and, and for me, what I felt through the bar to the front wheel was a little bit different on the Mako versus the flex bar. And I preferred the way I got the feel out of the, out of the flex bar. So hopefully that, uh, that helps you out there, um, with the different things. Let's see. Brandon says, I too have been running a flex bar for many years and my wrists thank Cole and the team at fast company. Didn't know they were doing mountain bike bars. So thanks for mentioning that. Uh, yeah, you need to like, if you thought the motorcycle bar is good, the mountain bike is game changing. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Uh-huh. Um, awesome. let's see. Do we have to thank anybody else? Scott, Gall- you know, what we were going to do last time. We didn't do it. We got some Scott goggles here. Yep. Uh, prospect versus fury yes Ooh, hold on this is where the the new little thing that we were going to try oh you're going to try something new yeah it might go up on the new. screen behind us we never you never know we'll see what happens Ow. you could blow the I whole show up smaller. i need to make it smaller there okay. we go well i'm actually going to do something with my hands here as well but hopefully this works so it doesn't I, cover the whole thing yeah i had i had the question because i didn't i'm not super familiar with all the different uh the brand things and stuff like what was the difference between the prospect and the fury and so the fury is probably a little bit lower price point mm-hmm. um and it the biggest thing is it doesn't have the the bars yeah the outriggers outriggers is what it's called it, it mounts dr- directly to the to the side of the goggle and it also has a has a more narrow uh band yes so depending on what you're looking for and so what do the outriggers do you know what they do logan uh apparently give better feeling on your face like yeah more it, it tends to make it fit a little bit better so like a lot of times the way the helmets are the current helmets like they're getting they're getting a little more padding inside of the helmet and so with the outrigger it's it's pulling you know farther on the outside of the goggle frame as opposed to right on the side because this if if your helmet is here and you know if you would think about it the pads you know this goes against your face and then the strap has to go out before it goes back yes it's not going to pull the goggle kind of up around you. and sealed on the side of your face and it, a lot of times it's a helmet fit problem helmet fit um issue versus you know a goggle fit and I do. It's funny in the beginning, I didn't notice how much I like this, the outrigger until I started wearing outrigger goggles a lot. And then I went back to the regular one. I'm like, okay, it does make a difference. Uh-huh. And, and for the type of riding, especially the higher speed rider, we're riding in the sand dunes and stuff. I just, you know, in the higher speed stuff, I noticed that the wind, um, actually comes in the entire goggle quite a bit more. So when it's open on the side, it actually, it allows more air to get drawn in in other places. It works like a Venturi mm-hmm. and dries my eyes out. And I notice when I have a really good fitting goggle, it doesn't. And I'll tell you another thing about a Scott goggle. They make one called the dust that has thicker foam Yeah, that limits not only the dust coming in, but the, the air also coming in and drying your eyes out. If that becomes kind of a problem. It's kind of a cool thing, uh, but they use the same lens. These two goggles, and this one has uh, one of the lenses that they were they were talking about. It's called the I have it on the box someplace, or it's on the label. The one, amplifier. Amplifier. I got that one too. You like it? Yeah. Really? Mm. I have not. I, I may have ridden with it, but I don't know. But I've ridden with a lot of different lens colors and stuff. And for me, the ones that do like that, they change the they, they brighten it up a little bit. Yeah. Like 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 this not this color on this on this fury which is kind of like a what would you call that color? It's, it's kind of a yellow major. or 
neon or something or oh oh the strap not the strap but the the lens color the yellow chrome yellow chrome lens Works. so like especially when they make like a blue chrome lens mm-hmm. i have a problem with that one my yes. eyes do yep. and i mean i think it looks cool but it is it doesn't you know, everybody's a little bit different, but that thing doesn't work for me. So I was wondering if this does the same thing. Like there's a, no. there's a blue one and then there's a cherry color also that does the same sort of thing where I don't see as much, yeah. but that's why they make different lens colors and, and have different things. But, uh, so anyways, that's the, that we wanted to talk about this last week, but we decided to talk about this week. So we'll be testing these two and hopefully doing a review on them. And I need to get my review of my craft suspension up. I know it. I know all about it. I just need to find time to write it, but I'm going to go away for a week and a half. So good luck. <laughs> I'll get to it. Maybe I'll be, I'll, instead of taking a nap, I'll just knock it out one of these days, Matt. Sounds good. What, what, what do we figure out with this shirt? So what, what company is this shirt? Uh, let me see. There was actually, I thought it was a pretty, pretty close guess. Uh, American tire and wheel. Nope. Americana. Nope. Okay. Um, let me go. That, it was a little further back up here. I didn't think to copy these. Uh, it's ask okay. the wife. Ask the wife. It says ATW. So this logo, if you're wondering what it is, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. This is W, W wheels. It's spelled D-U-B-Y-A. And they, they make really high-end, they're wheel builders, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So they, they use, you know, like Excel and Kite and different um, companies. Uh, they use Excel rims and DID rims and all different rims and really good spokes. And they build super custom wheels. They build a lot of the, for the race teams and stuff like that. And they have helped me out with some of our wheel projects. So like on our, our way overpriced uh, KTM 390, mm-hmm. the one that's almost as good as a DRZ 400 yep. that has W wheels on it. And the expensive thing on that bike was going, converting that thing to a spoked wheel as opposed to a spoke wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, which so ones with spokes as opposed to uh, having big um, mag wheels, we'll call them. And that, so I have them on that. I have them on all my, almost all my adventure bikes. I have W wheels on because those things bend, will bend rims. Mm-hmm. And over all this time, I've had to tighten so few spokes and they just made a set for my KTM 500. And I've got five or 600 miles on that thing now and haven't had to touch a spoke on it super high-end um stuff there they actually have their own you know hubs now so it's a it's a slightly lower price point so this is w and then the atw is one of their slogans so i actually i actually the reason i asked that and and called up john anderson and talked about it was because i'm like going oh all the way that's what I thought it meant. Mm-hmm. I thought it meant W all the way. Yeah. But what it, does a- it really mean? It actually, and now I've gotten I've gotten confused because I was laughing at some of those yeah. some of those other ones. So it's it's W. It means all things wheel. Huh. That's it. All things wheel. Hold on, there, I think there was someone that might have actually gotten that. Oh really? Ask no, the winner. All the way. All the way. Ask that the winner. Over. So uh, that's that's what I thought it was. All the way. Uh-huh. And oh, all, the all the women. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, John John said one of the things. It it meant um, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and women. <laughs> <laughs> so no winners. Wow. I don't think there was. There, there might have been. There was. Okay. So so. so wait, what was it again? 
What does it mean? No, no yeah. What was the it, AWT it's, again? It's or ATW? All things wheel. All things wheel. All things wheel. So the logo is not very familiar to us, to this to this group. So they yeah. they maybe they need to run ads, Matt. You ever think about that? I was about to ask you. Do you know what their marketing budget is? Yeah. <laughs> the, the marketing budget is is spinning around on a few of my bikes right now. I think. I'm I'm rolling I'm rolling on W marketing budget right now. Do you want to perhaps They're sell good. some and donate to the college? Sell, no, I don't sell any of this stuff. Everybody thinks I sell all this stuff. I've got the first thing that anybody ever gave me in this motorcycle industry. Probably I don't think I sold anything. Oh, okay, that's right, not sell. Do you want to trade it? Trade it for some. Uh, it, the, the orange hubs will not look good on your Husaberg, Matt. <laughs> just a, just a really a shame. <laughs> it would not look so. good. No. Okay, I think we've gone long enough. I think we're good. This is this is enough enough. The San Felipe Bob types in all things wheel because he thinks he can win at the last minute. Yeah. So um, I will try to figure out another good contest. Um, th- so this contest will get pushed off over to the next show, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll figure something else out for you to go and because he, he actually had a pretty cool uh, thing, little 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 giveaway. But you guys were okay. So so let's just say the first person. Let's see. If you're listening, because if you listen to this and it's a podcast, you're probably in your car or your work, so you're not going to be able to get to um, the internets because the people in the chat room are kind of cranking all this stuff up. So you know what it means now. So I want somebody, if you can send me the link to the, so resend me the link to this podcast. Okay, so you know you you got to it requires a little bit. Send me a link to this podcast and and tell me what this shirt means, and then you'll get you'll send I'll send your information over to to John at W. Is that it, Logan? Do we have everything taken care of? All the business. What what kind of climb gear did you wear this weekend to prom or um, homecoming? Not. You didn't wear a climb T-shirt to your homecoming. No. No. I saw a picture of you like in a tuxedo or something like that or a suit. No, it was just a, a dress shirt and dress pants. Oh, no no tie? No. Oh, got, yeah, I did have a tie. A tie? Yeah, okay. No climb stuff, though? No. No. Wouldn't it be cool if climb made like a, you know, homecoming outfit? Yeah. Yeah, because then it could rain on you. wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be cold. No. Nope. You wouldn't get too hot. It'd be the best thing ever. Everybody, like, you'd wear it that year, and next year, everybody try to copy you and wear it. So... That's what you do. Um, okay. I think we're uh, about ready to wrap this thing up. The yes. chat. Will there be a show next Tuesday? Uh, a climb tie. Climb tie. I'm going to request those. Yeah. Yep. It'd probably have some, like, it'd probably have a knife inside of it in case you had to shank <laughs> yeah. somebody at the at thing or, you know, cut your way out from the noose that your girlfriend's putting you in. <laughs> Did you do any of that stuff? No. No. Okay. Um, the show next Tuesday, probably not. I think we're going to take a week off. Off week? Yeah, I'm going to take a nap. Take Sounds a little, good. Take a little nap. So uh, it's it's good. That it helps you helps you come reinvigorated for the show. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to do that. Everybody, thanks again for joining. Share this with your buddies, um, and when they have stupid questions, have them ask me and not you. Because uh, nine times out of ten, I get it right. And with that, Logan, who's stuck on his phone, he's probably texting his girlfriend, apologizing for all the stuff that I said about her. Uh, she's not a fan, is she? No. Not of Tuck Talk? No. Does she know it exists? Uh, no. Okay. With that, we're going to see you out on the trail. Cheers.